This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with the CTO, Michael Remus. A big, big show coming up today. Lots on the Stanley Cup final, both on the ice and off the ice with Stephen Wine over the AP. Wine will join us a little bit later on. We'll get to a lot of news in the league, some signings. we got awards going on tonight. And, of course, a lot coming out of the commissioner's state of the league address yesterday, which we'll get to over the course of the program. And starting it off a little earlier, we'll get to a bunch of hockey talk after our first guest because we're going to talk a little Euro and the kickoff of the CPL with Valor FC head coach Rob Gale. I'm sure Robbie's quite pleased right now because just in the last couple minutes as we go live with you on YouTube, we have England moving on in Euro, beating the Germans 2-0 today. Uh, The scenes in the stadium were incredible. There's nobody that gets excited quite like soccer fans. And there was an English contingent that was absolutely losing it. And for good reason, their biggest tormentors in international football have been vanquished. And the uh, the English lads move on to the final eight. So we'll talk about that. Of course, Valor's big win in game number one of the season on the weekend. And the big announcement yesterday afternoon that fans are going to be allowed at IG Field for the games beginning on the 7th of July. Um, quickly, uh, big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ, Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Not Autocorp, Policy Me, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs, and CoolBet.com. Um, we just If you didn't see it yesterday, we've got a great contest with Little Brown Jug and Breezy Bend going on on our Winnipeg Sports Talk Instagram page. So get to the page. Very simple. You'll see the Breezy Bend and Little Brown Jug giveaway. Follow the instructions and uh, get in on our big marble race going into tomorrow's, uh, at the end of tomorrow's show, heading into Canada Day. Um, Let's get Remus in here before we uh, fire it up with Rob Gale, and then we'll get to uh, a little bit more. Um, Remo, how are you today? Uh, Great response so far on the contest, by the way. Yeah, here it is. I figured I'd pull that up. I I, uh, have it right here. There's the giveaway. And uh, yeah, enter. We've got a ton of comments. I think there's been like over 100 so far. And a lot of people saying what they love about golf, uh, you know, being outside, being with friends. Who cares about the actual golf uh, hitting the ball portion? Am I right? That's where I stand. I'm there for the outside. I know some people said they like hitting, like hitting nice shots or finally hitting a good one after shanking a bunch. So uh, the, the, the best the best was the guy that said, I'm going to teach uh, my son going to bring my son out and teach him that um, life is hard and it, it doesn't always reward you despite the best intentions. Uh, there's lots of lessons to be learned in golf. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's great four pack of uh, passes with carts, some great uh, merch from Little Brown Jug, maybe even a few refreshments. So get on over to that page. If you're with us on YouTube, great to have great to see you all hit that like button if you wouldn't mind and make sure that you're subscribed. And for those of you listening on the podcast, thank you for making us a part of your day here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And if you can, do us a favor, just get onto that Apple Podcast feed and uh, at the bottom, uh, give us a five-star rating and a review certainly helps to spread the channel. All right, we'll talk about the Commissioner Ream, the Nuge extension, and all of that a little bit later on. Of course, Wine was going to join us, but we did have game one of the cup final last night and uh, no Habs magic in game number one. The lightning showed why they are the champs and why they were the big favorites going into this series. 
Yes. Uh, wow. What a game. Um, you know, it was it was close. You know, for a bit until that uh, after that Chirac goal, Tampa pulled away. But I mean, the way they moved the puck on the you know the power play, and you saw what Kucherov uh, can bring. They're missing him all season. Uh, it was. Uh, I mean, it was pretty awesome uh, to watch Tampa, Montreal. I mean, they were in a bit tough. Carey Price held them in as long as he could, but eventually, uh, I would say the dam broke and, and the goals started coming in. A couple nice ones there. At the end, when you're doing a scoring a one timer on a slap shot like Steve Stamkos, and then no selling that one, just standing there being like, "Oh yeah, all right, okay," you know you're having a good game. So it was a it was a tough one. I mean, there was some some rough stuff there. Uh, Gallagher with maybe the image of the uh, of the game with the blood coming out of his forehead after. You know, I thought Sergachev slammed him, but I think Gallagher tried to slam Sergachev while not wearing a helmet, and then got got it reversed on him and he fell on his head it was reversal i mean the shot looked yeah. straight out of hell in a cell last week in yeah. the wwe i mean it was a uh a pretty wild photo and you know i listened to the guys afterwards kenny and rennie were on with eric angles and i know sean was sort of adamant that this is a bad play you know ken was on the other side angles came in the middle they thought he actually got cut by his own visor at least that was the uh, that was the theory again Listen, don't feel bad for Brendan Gallagher. I mean, he loves that stuff. That's when he is at his best. But I'll say this for Tampa, Reem, and we saw this right from the get-go in the first period. They weren't going to wait for Brendan Gallagher to come to them and mix it up. They brought it to Brendan Gallagher, and he, in a lot of ways, seemed to almost be targeted for, um, listen, uh, an extra hit, an extra stick on almost every play last night, and it just goes to show John Cooper's lightning team, despite all of that high-end offensive talent that we often focus on, they've learned what it takes to be a tough physical team to play a tight game. We saw that in Game 7 when they uh, ended up dispatching of the New York Islanders. And um, this is going to be a huge challenge for the Montreal Canadiens. Again, it's just Game 1. They lost Game 1 to Vegas. Uh, they were down 3-1 to Toronto. So by no means should we be already preparing the uh, the funeral procession for Montreal. But I will say this, um, they're going to need to be much, much better in game number two and back home in games three and four if they want to get back into this series. Yeah, I mean, I'm not willing to close the book on Montreal because we've seen them uh, play well in the past, but um, that went just about as rough as uh, as it could have for them. Um, you know, really had in trouble uh, generating offense. I mean, they had a lot of chances, but it's funny, Travis Jones mentioned that they were so good at converting uh, on the small chances they had. Uh, Vasilevsky, I mean, he's equal to Carey Price. He is, uh, he is incredible. And the one goal they did score, as uh, Rob Mahoney writes in chat, I mean, we know Ben Sherrod, he's got the big slapper, but it wasn't like a slapper <laughs> that had eyes and found the net. It was a, I don't want to call it a double doink, but it bounced off two. It was two a double doink. It, yeah, sure, it was a double doink. Bounced off two Tampa players. Um, pretty, uh, pretty incredible uh, goal. I mean, and it gave the Habs life. They kind of needed that. But uh, it wasn't wasn't enough, and Tampa just poured it on. They're they're so good, man. No, they really are. And you know, it was funny. And we were doing the uh, the cool bet odds yesterday on the program. We were looking at some of the props for last night's game, and one of them was who would score the first goal in the series. Hey, you know, you had Kucherov and Stamkos, and you know the top guys on Montreal. I don't know what the number was on Eric Cernak to be the first scorer, but. That would have been a big, big number. And when you get a goal like that from a player like that to get things going, um, you couldn't imagine it starting much better for Tampa. But I'll say this about the Habs. Despite the fact that Tampa really did seem to be in control of that game, they got the goal from Mr. 107 on the double doink. Mm. 
And then all of a sudden, once again, it's a 2-1 hockey game. They could get right in it. I think Tampa really showed what they're made of, though, in the third period, getting that lead, extending it, and continue to be playing very hard right to the whistle, knowing what it takes to win a seven-game series. Yeah, it was 2-1. You thought it was in it, but, uh, you know, Mr. 107, as you said, Ben Sherratt, you know, in front of the net, uh, pucks going through the crease, and he, you know, bats at it with his hand. And, I mean, if he just lets it go, it probably goes into the corner. It's a harmless play. You know, Kucherov puts it in, and I think after that, once it was 3-1, uh, it's going to be tough. It's funny, you know, Montreal has always been the team, at least we saw against the Jets, where they score the first goal. You know, they're, it's good for them. They're in control. They can dictate the game. And last night, you know, Tampa got the first goal, and I think Tampa pulled uh, the reversal on Montreal, and they were the ones that were in, in control. So, um, you know, Montreal is going to try to get that first goal. I think it's going to be very important. You know, they can, you know, control. But uh, Tampa is very good. And one thing, you know, we're talking about the matchups. Uh, it seemed like John Cooper tried to get the Kucherov line away from the Deneau line and was fine putting Yanni Gordon. I mean, Tampa's got so many uh, so many good lines. Uh, I mean, they're just a solid team. There are a couple of notes, though. Injury notes, Alex Kalorn blocked a shot with his hand. And, you know, we know he's an impact player for them. He's day-to-day. And we didn't mention Shea Weber getting the 5K fine for, for <laughs> slashing Kucherov. I mean, this 5K fine... <laughs> I know it's part of the. They'd be CB- better off. They'd be better off not even making those fines public because everyone's like, "Well, they're such a joke." Like the players, I'm sure, are happy to pay a 5k fine for any type of infraction like that. It's like, yeah, sure, 5k. Well, sure, why not? <laughs> are those tax deductible? They go to charity, do they not? Or, that, or is it just? How does it work on their paycheck? They get a Where's- donation receipt. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure who knows. Maybe, maybe they'll, uh, you know, they certainly probably take a collection within the room for some of those. Uh, anyways, we will get back to the hockey. We had a massive, massive game at Euro and a huge start for Valor FC. So we're going to bring in coach Rob Gale in just a second. Before we do that, do you want to let you know about policyme.com? Um, listen, life insurance, not a sexy purchase, something you're probably, uh, more likely to put off than go after. But if you've got a family, if you've got people that count on, if you've got investments, this is something that you have to have for your family's security in case something happens to you. Um, it can be a pain in the ass. You don't want to have those long, awkward meetings with people you don't know. So Policy Me has put together an incredible program that's fast, easy, and affordable and quicker and easier than anything in the industry. Go to policyme.com. In about 15 minutes, you'll answer a few questions. First, to let you know if you even need life insurance. About a quarter people uh, of the people that respond don't need it at all. Um, and otherwise, you'll be offered affordable rates, roughly 10 to 20% lower than other insurers in Canada, with an instant decision instead of waiting weeks with most other companies. And the bottom line is this is online Fully online, easy, straightforward, and what traditionally took weeks and involved confusing paperwork and insurance jargon can now be done in around 15 minutes with an easy-to-understand application. Don't wait any longer, folks. Don't procrastinate. You'll thank yourselves, and your family will too. PolicyMe.com. Get there when they ask you where you heard about it. 
say podcast and Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, big shout out to Royal Sports. We're going to be talking Euro and soccer right away. There is the most incredible selection of these beautiful Euro soccer jerseys over at Royal Sports, as well as balls, cleats. I know everything from body to tell soccer is down on Royal Sports as well, uh, as well as an expanded fitness section, uh, the bike section as well over at Royal Sports. Everything you need for summer to both look good and play good. 750 Pemina Highway and 650 Rally in EK. And a big shout out to the Nick and Nikki DQ group with four locations in Winnipeg. We know it's blizzard season. Pop by and see them at DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, or DQ St. Anne's. Uh, Incredible food, great ice cream treats. And now as we're able to gather, spice it up a little bit. Grab one of those amazing DQ cakes for your next gathering. You can find out more and order them online at DQ Manitoba. All right, let's welcome in head coach of the 1-0 Valor FC, Rob Gale. Coach, what's up? Congratulations on uh, the first big win on the weekend. How are you? Life is good, buddy. We got our first win under the belt. England won just mere moments ago. If it had gone to extra time, I don't think I'll be doing this interview, so happy days. Yeah, well, listen, I was kind of counting on that as well. I mean, man, we better read her. I know you got a press conference coming up in a few minutes. We tried to squeeze it in. So the timing was perfect. Listen, we'll get to Euro in a second because there is a lot to. But let's start off with the CPL. Tell us about the game. A big 2 nothing win against, you know, a team that had given you problems in the past. Uh, what a great start for Valor FC, albeit without fans in the stands. Yeah, um, you know, we knew two times defending champion. It's uh, as good a test as you're, you're going to get in our league. And why not start with it, right? That's what we said. We're all in the same boat. We've only had a very limited preseason. Uh, we've had a ton of injuries. We had two or three players passing fitness tests just before to get us a, a full bench, really. And credit to the, uh, the physiotherapists for getting them ready and giving us some substitutes. And we still got players to come on. Bukamuta's not here yet. Rafael Gallardo's not here yet. Rodrigo Reyes. You know, so they have three international quality players that we're still going to add to the squad. But we felt confident. We we had a game plan. We, we know how they play. We felt confident going in that we could not only nullify their strengths, but also capitalize on their weaknesses. And, uh, you know, we got out early, got on the front foot, got a deserved penalty after about six minutes and never looked back from there really, mate. And probably the best chances for the rest of the game other than a late, late shot uh, fell to us. Now, um, how different is this team from when the fans were last in the trench? I mean, we knew there was some significant changes going into the Island games and the PEI. We've seen some more turnover. Um, you know, we saw some new names make a real impact on, uh, on the weekend for Valor FC. Yeah, I mean, simply there's only three of the 23 still here. Uh, the local boys, Jose Galan, Federico Pena, and um, Rafa Hine, um, the Rhino. So it's a, a completely different squad, completely different mindset. Um, more men in the room, as we said. We we knew, like, with the, the composition roster building in the first year, it was going to be difficult and certain uh, local rules and, and league rules that we had to navigate and, and learn the level of the league. And what we've tried to do is continue to build the squad and build the depth and make sure that the quality of the play rises as has the standard across the league. But, uh, no, it'll be exciting to welcome fans. I've got to give a shout-out, uh, Hus, to the, the 25 or 50-odd Red River Rising crew who were bouncing up and down. You could hear them on the feed. We could hear them in the stadium. They were climbing gates, trying to look on the Jumbotron. And uh, 
that was awesome with a, with a few fans echoing through the stands. It's going to be unbelievable come July the 7th when we get a, a, a balmy army of at least 2,000 people in there. Well, you know, you mentioned that and I saw the pictures outside, not just the stadium, but also the downtown hotel in and around welcoming the lads back. And I imagine for the newcomers that are coming here to a new city in a strange environment in the midst of COVID in an empty building, um, that's got to that's got to be great as a coach to show these players coming here to a still a relatively new team that there is a great spirit for this team. And uh, it probably makes people that much more excited with the announcement that they will have 2000 fans being able to come into your future games. Yeah, you know, we can't understa- understate that. We try and tell them about the first year and the trench and the unique sporting atmosphere. We tell them about the. Uh, the great sporting culture and how we get behind our teams here in Winnipeg and, and Manitoba. And you can imagine like people like Daryl Fordyce and that and Dar- Andrew Jean-Baptiste, they've been here over a year now uh, with last season as well. Never played a home game. Uh, they've never seen a whiteout. They've never been to a Bombers game, right? I mean, these are crazy things that are, like for us sports fans are, are absolute uh, nail on on the calendar, right? And, and such great community events. So, for them to see the fans and come to training and even just see us off on our buses and they drove alongside the bus going to the games. I said, there's, there's nowhere quite like Winnipeg and we'll, we'll defend it and try and make this city proud all the time. And the, the fans are such a huge part of what we're trying to build it. Hey, let me ask you, I mean, you got the great win over Forge. I think that was a real sort of statement game to people that, you know, were wondering what this club would be like this year. I mean, what are your expectations going in? I mean, there is a lot of the unknown, but, uh, when you start off like that, I imagine you feel that there's a lot of potential within the Valor FC group this year. We, I mean, we internally, we feel like that all the time, mate. But what we've got to show is a level of consistency. Uh, we've got to put it in perspective. It was one game. It was the first game, short preseason for both sides. Uh, we can get better. We will get better. There was rustiness from us in the final third and, and putting the game to bed. Um, and like I said, we've got some real big key parts to come in. Um, Gallardo's coming out of quarantine and, and into the bubble tomorrow. Then he'll have to do his testing and isolation in the bubble. We're still waiting on Bukamuta coming over from France, hopefully with his family soon. And they are two, you know, elite level players. They're MLS level players. And, and once we add that to the squad, it will give us a boost again. So game by game, step by step, uh, it's three points, nothing more. Uh, we've got to build on that and show that we can be consistent, which we haven't been able to prove, uh, you know, in the first two seasons. Well, now it's time for the fans to make sure they got that second shot and got the card and they can get in and pack that trench in the rest of the stadium with 2000 fans for the upcoming game beginning on the 7th of July. Rob Gale of Valor FC is with us. Robbie, I know you were glued to that television earlier this morning. England finally gets it done against Germany. I mean, how big of a win is that for the country? I mean, this was the team that tormented them more than any in the history of the game. Oh, I'm glad you didn't start with it, mate. My heart was still racing coming down for the interview. I had a lump in my throat, a tear in my eye. I know how much it means to people. I don't know if you've seen the scenes when Sterling scored, but behind him, it was just a mosh pit. People are falling out of seats. There was no social distance. It was just sheer adrenaline and passion. But that's why we love sports, buddy. That's why you have a show. That's why I'm in this business. It's the passion, the emotion. It gets you going like no other. I mean... 90 minutes, your heart's in your mouth. When Kane's goal went in for the second one, I was down the hallway. I won't tell you what I was screaming. I probably can't remember. It wouldn't be good for a family audience. I'm glad me two girls aren't in the bubble with me. But boy, oh boy, it was, look, 
25 years ago, Gareth Southgate, the coach, missed a penalty in the semi-final against the Germans. We 1990, I remember it well as a as a 12 year old lad, and Chris Waddle sky and one over the bar. I mean, we've had our we've had our times with the Germans in big competitions and not got it done. And to get it done, it's just it brings out all that raw emotion, mate. It's uh, nothing does it like sports. Nothing does it like sports. Hey, hey be honest. What were you feeling when uh, they had that terrible back pass that got picked up over to Thomas Mueller and he went in, uh, presumably to tie the game and just went wide? That that had to be the most nervous moment from the English side of the game. It's not good for the hearts. I'm glad we have laundry service, mate, because we shorts needed one. That's all I can say. It's unbelievable. Right after we scored, you're so vulnerable after you score, and he's made a mistake. They've gone Cleaver and Muller. He's so consistent. He always does it for the Germans. Look, luckily, it was our day. Uh, the Germans always give you a battle. They're a machine. Uh, and, and today was England's day, and so nice for the 45,000 fans at Wembley. Hey, when you see a prince in the stands coming, giving it the large, uh, you know it means a lot. So happy days. Uh, Rob Gale, head coach of Valor FC, is with us. I have to ask you about yesterday. I mean, listen, I haven't been watching the game as long as you, but, I mean, those are the two craziest games I've ever seen. I mean, how do you even describe what we saw first between the Croats and Spain and then the Swiss, the Swiss comeback against France, I'm sure will be a game that's talked about for decades uh, when it comes to international football. You know, what I love mate is all the people who say, Oh, you know, foot soccer football. Uh, it's not very entertaining. <laughs> Have a look at that too. I mean, that's one of the greatest days in tournament football history. If not the greatest, I, it's certainly in my lifetime Two. Six goal thrillers, overtimes, comebacks, the underdogs winning. I mean, what a day. It was just crazy. Luckily, we were on a training field. Poor Jose Galan, he's recovering from injury. He had to train. The rest of us were doing head tennis and watching the Spanish game. (laughs) Jose's giving it the Olays in the rondos because they're 3-1 up and then we're screaming at him. It's 3-3. He can't (laughs) believe it. They turned it around. He's a happy man. There's, There's Italians in camp. They're happy. We got a Belgium in the room. He's happy. So it's a good time in the Valor camp right now. And let's hope we can t- continue to ride the way through to tomorrow night when we take on the Wanderers, who were last year's finalists as well. So it doesn't get any easier for us. And uh, we just want to ride the euphoria of football at the moment. Well, listen, um, it is a great time if you're a fan here in the city of Winnipeg because we've got this incredible tournament going on and now fans will be back in. Just final one for you. From a coach's perspective, like, what are you thinking when you see the Swiss come back on France like that? I mean, do you look at this as like, how in the world are they are they making, like, how is France blowing this? Or is it the Swiss just rising up under pressure at the most crucial time and doing special things? I mean, it's it's so hard, right? The coach is always going to take the flat. What I didn't like about Deschamps was he changed his shape before the game. Uh, and I think they, they got away with it to be 3-1 up. The Swiss were the better team for 60 minutes. But then when they do and Pogba's a bit of magic and he brings out three goal celebrations and he's loving every minute of it, you think, okay, it, it's surely done. But look at that for the Swiss. I mean, you talk about the, the Danish team, what they've gone through and the character after Ericsson, delighted for them. The Swiss team, look, hopefully it's the year of the underdog, buddy. That's what we're counting on in our room. And uh, I'm counting England in that when we play maybe Italy in the final too. But uh yeah, coaches will get the blame, but players have to execute in key moments. And 
it's a mistake here or there and it can get punished at the highest level. So, Well, I'll tell you what, we'll enjoy these games coming up on the weekend and uh, we'll count down the days until getting back into the trench on the 7th of July. Of course, people can go to Valor FC for more information on ticketing, rules and all of that going forward. And uh, you, Coach, just worry on getting another three points in the next match. Congratulations on game one. Thanks, buddy. We're working hard. We're out to training soon after the next Euro Games. Hopefully, the heart has uh, steadied its <laughs> its beat, and we'll get back at, back to work and try and get a win for the fans tomorrow night. Hey, appreciate it, pal. Thanks so much for doing this. There he is, Rob Gale. Uh, you can find out more if you're not following Valor FC already at Valor Football on Twitter. And um, man, just an amazing start for the local side getting that big win over Forge FC from Hamilton, who have been, uh, you know, one of the top dogs in the league for the last couple of seasons. So um, anyways, love having Rob on. What a perfect time to do it. I know he was sweating out that England-Germany game like so many people were. Uh, and it's a huge win for England. I mean, as you said, you know, speaking of tormentors, um, you know, there's a lot of scar tissue amongst English fans on the history they have against Germany. So to win in the fashion that they did today, um, certainly without a lot to the tournament going forward. Pretty stunning, though, that Germany out in the round of 16. All right, great stuff with Rob Gale. We're going to get back to talking hockey. Before we do that, a big shout-out to Not Autocorp for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. If you're looking for a new vehicle or maybe an upgrade, well, why not talk to the experts at Not and get in a dream car at a great, great price. Go and see them at Waverly and McGilvery. Or check them out online at not.ca. An incredible selection of vehicles, all makes and models, including a number of Tesla vehicles. They've been a leader in the Tesla market for years here in Winnipeg. And they'll also detail you, do so many other services if you need detailing. And they're launching the new Car Lab as well for modifications on vehicles. Check out if you're into a new car or want to maybe trick yours out, not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, or online at not.ca. And of course, a big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug Brewing, our brewing partners. They're getting ready for Canada Day and right now giving away free koozies with all home delivery and pickup orders from June 28th to June, July 3rd. <clears throat> when you go to littlebrownjug.ca, who have made it easier than ever to order all their great products and merchandise with same day home delivery, uh, just use code Canada Day on the checkout page. And you'll get free koozies. Uh, you can visit the website for details. Don't forget, you're going to want to try this Canada Day long weekend, the new summer lager, which is amazing, as well as the Hefeweizen. You can get them in the summer variety pack. And if you like the black lager, it's on special right now, 336. You can find that at Liquor Mart Select Beer Stores through our brand new website for home delivery and pickup. And, of course, Little Brown Jug has teamed up with our good friends at Breezy Bend for an amazing contest to uh, have a foursome out at the beautiful Breezy Bend, which is just, I mean, absolutely mint right now. And uh, hopefully now with everything open, maybe a few Little Brown Jugs on the 19th hole in that amazing patio at Breezy Bend as well. Uh, we'll talk Rocket Mortgage Tournament a little later on. Dustin Nielsen and I hit it today on the lock shop. Uh, but if you want to win that round at Breezy and a great package from Little Brown Jug, all you need to do is go to our Instagram page at Sports Talk WPG. Make sure you're following us. Follow the instructions on the post and get your name in for what will be an epic marble race on tomorrow's show to give away the first prize. We're going to do it again heading into August long weekend as well. So big thanks to Breezy Bend and, of course, to Little Brown Jug. 
All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. We'll hook up with Stephen Wino in about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, Wino, of course, asked the first question to Commissioner Gary Bettman yesterday in the state of the league address. And Remo, uh, absolutely no surprise that the first line of questioning had to do with Chicago Blackhawks. There was a couple hockey questions, a couple questions about the upcoming season, and then a flurry of more questions about the developing Blackhawks situation that in a lot of ways sort of is uh, a bit of a cloud over the uh, the gathering right now, despite the great work that the Habs and Lightning have done to get to the finals. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of great questions from Stephen Wino, uh, Katie Strang, Mark Lazarus. Uh, I think there was a gif going on of Bill Daly's reaction to hearing Mark Lazarus' name from The Athletic, where he just, like, put his head down or something and started scratching his face. But, Here we uh, go. But I think these are all relevant questions that need to be asked, and he did a great job. I don't know if the NHL necessarily did the best job at being forthcoming with information, but uh, I guess we will have to wait and see what the results of the investigation are, although they did not commit to uh, revealing um, those results. So I think this is a fluid situation i i know stay tuned to those reporters named as well rick westhead who've been doing such a tremendous job um bringing information to light i have to say and we know that gary bettman and bill daly are both lawyers and i got a lot of respect for both of them i know bettman takes a lot of heat and he's sort of fine with that he's done some amazing things for the national hockey league and we've got a team back here in winnipeg and gary bettman was a big part of it um, I've had a chance to meet Bill Daly personally a number of times. He's been great to us. Has been on the show a number of times over the course of the years. But Remo, these are both lawyers, both very, very smart, intelligent lawyers. And I have to say, the amount of lawyer speak we got yesterday um, probably shouldn't be surprising, considering this situation uh, and how touchy it is for both the league and all parties involved. Um, you know the questions are going to be going there, but the lack of clarity on almost any of the answers, including what determines recent when they said that's when they found out about it, I think almost just begs more questions when uh, we talk about this as it continues. Yeah, I think it was Katie Strang asked him, when did you hear about the allegations? And Bill Daly's answer was, oh, I don't remember specifics. It was fairly recently. And so do you remember specifics? And or? no follow-up, too, like with the Zoom. Like, yeah, you no, can't, you know, you can't, that was sort of in person. You might be able to get a little bit more out. Mm-hmm. But, they, I mean, they went in, in there. We'll talk with Wino asking the tough questions. I think they're all uh, relevant. I mean, did the NHL front office know, or did they just find out when the lawsuit was filed? I think the, I think all great questions, and, you know, you got some answers, but a lot of them were just like, you know what, we're going to comment on this investigation you know when it's when it's completed and we have to wait for the legal proceedings that was basically a majority of their answers yeah and you know they they weren't going there um but man uh this is listen it's not going away anytime soon anyways we'll touch on that with wino a little later on there was a number of other things that came out of the state of the league address um involving next season and it certainly seems like the intention of the league is to start on time as normal with a regular Full schedule um, as well. But the big questions, Remus, I mean, what about the Olympics? And, you know, Mm -hmm. so many people are excited about the best on best finally coming back next year. Um, Daly did mention that, you know, it's overseas. It's in China. You know, it's maybe a strange time to decide to get back into it. But it was important to the players and they came together to do that. But as of right now, it sounds like the NHL needs plenty of clarity from the IOC and from the Olympics that they don't have right now. 
and they don't have a lot of time when they're putting together the schedule for the upcoming season. There's a lot of moving balls in the air right now, and that's not really something that the NHL wants when it comes to something as significant as shutting down your season and having your top stars go overseas to represent their countries. Yeah, I think if you watch that press conference yesterday, I don't think you're feeling too great about the idea. You know, they keep saying that, you know, they don't want to you know make room in the schedule. Um, They haven't come to a full agreement with IOC. I think a lot of it they blamed on the COVID protocols that are needed. Do they want to be sending their players overseas when, you know, we don't really know what the uh, pandemic situation is going to be in February. Plus, they're going to, you know, they want to announce their schedule. Sounds like around next month, around when free agency is, and they have to have that down. Is there going to be a break? And can you really have um, contingent, you know, a, a, two different schedules? So I think they're all valid concerns. Like, does it really make sense to send your best players to China? I'm, you know, maybe, but I'm just, in terms of a safety standpoint, I think that's an additional, I think that's the, the biggest concern for them. I don't know. We all want to see best on best. I mean, it is awesome. I think the concerns before were with, okay, we're sending, you know, our best, giving our best players, but we can't use any of, you know, the footage and highlights or anything. I mean, it was the like 10th anniversary of the golden goal last year. Like, did you see that highlight anywhere? Is anyone able to see that because of rights issues? The answer is no. I think it was, you'd watch like TSN, they'd show still pictures um, and just talk about it. Yeah. So I do think that is a concern for the NHL too, that I think they should be able to resolve, but uh, we'll wait and see. I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling good, Huss, about players in the Olympics. And uh, I don't know how you can after yesterday. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and it is unfortunate because, I mean, even if they go to put together some sort of World Cup, like leading into the season, yeah. it's just not the same. I, uh, we'll watch it. I mean, we're here for it. But even last time, you know, they had a team Europe and they had a team North America. That was a really cool wrinkle to the tourney. But it just by that alone made it not a best on best as you had some of the top Americans and sort of the top young Canadians playing on a team and not represent their country. So, I mean, the fans want to see this happen. I think everyone for the most part in hockey wants this to happen other than potentially a number of NHL owners um, and maybe even the league themselves. But the bottom line is the IOC has got to play ball. It's got to make sense for both. And despite the fact that the PA has been pushing for it, they're also partners with the NHL in this. And, you know, they need it to make sense for all parties involved. Uh, but really, to me, if this is going to come down to logistics, uh, whether they can plan properly and make it happen. Yeah, that's what Tracy says in chat, in chat uh, just because of location and logistics. I think it's real tough to break up your schedule to send to China. I think the pandemic complicates things. And I kind of agree. I mean, they did the, um, you know, the 04 World Cup and then 96 World Cup. I think I felt good about those. I think when they did the last one and they put in the, you know, the North, Team North America was really fun and the Team Europe was fun. They ended up getting, going to the final. But that's, I think it kind of cheapened the tournament and made it seem less legitimate, even if you had more more teams. It's so funny you say that. Who Did Canada win? Yes, like, I Canada, don't even remember Canada, at all. Canada did win. And I'll say, too, and I keep saying this, it was it 2014 in Sochi. Canada won. And the gold medal game, like, sucked. It was Canada versus Sweden. I remember the semifinal versus the U.S. was an awesome oh, game. But Canada, dude. okay, Canada won that game. They didn't even celebrate. Like, it was, they were, didn't even seem happy about it after. That the was a team so of lame. robots. That was it, a team was of horrible. robots. It was horrible. I mean, no emotion. They went out and they just, it was sort of like Germany back in the day in soccer. They just sucked the life out of the other teams. I mean, gave them nothing. And... 
you know, what was interesting is that that 2014 gold medal game in Sochi, of course, started at five in the morning, hmm. um, five in the morning here in, in the central time zone. And my memory of that is that the bars opened up at four in the morning. Uh, we're allowed to do so. And you, know, you had this crazy party for the gold medal game. By the time the game ended, the sun's coming up. It was uh, you know, one of those memories you'll have. But the game itself, not very memorable, not close, not exciting. And they got it done. But when you think about that last World Cup, I mean, what do I remember? I remember how exciting Team North America was. I remember the upstart Team Europe. But other than that, it really wasn't that memorable and I think that's part of it when you have guys like Connor McDavid and Mark Shifley not playing for their country playing for this unique team like the games itself were sort of cool but the actual tournament sort of loses a lot of importance no one will ever say that about an Olympic gold medal or an Olympic tournament yeah I I agree with you there you just haven't found a way to make you know bring back the feel I mean the 96 World Cup I remember was a big deal obviously USA uh, won in the 04 World Cup, it was, you know, the last hockey before the lockout. And you had Canada coming off the uh, the 02 win. I mean, a lot of great players. But for whatever reason, I don't think the 2014 World Cup of Hockey had that. I mean, I don't you really remember. I know Canada played Europe. I remember it was actually an exciting final. But, and I think everyone just remembers Team, team North America, to be honest, which, again, was a great team. But in terms of international, like the importance of international hockey... In the tournaments of the last, you know, twenty years, I don't think anyone cares about you know Canada winning the twenty fourteen World Cup. <laughs> well, no, because so many of the top players weren't playing for them. The United States as yeah. well, and I don't. But it was cool to see all the young guns on uh, on one other team. Um, anyways, th- this will be something we'll follow. We'll mm-hmm. see what Wino's got to say about all of these topics going was- forward. Remo, tell us about, like, what did we find out about the All-Star Game, Stadium Mm -hmm. Series, a Canadian Heritage Classic? I did see that the Canes game has been put off a year. Uh, The outdoor game that Carolina will be hosting now being pushed back a series. But it does sound like there's still plans for some outdoor games for this upcoming season. Yeah, they were trying to, they're trying to go back to a normal schedule here. So they're going to have the All-Star Game in Vegas, the New Year's, you know, game on uh, Target Field in Minneapolis. I don't know what the border situation is going to be, but maybe you uh, wanted to make some some plans. Um, there's going to be an outdoor game in Nashville for a stadium series at you know the, where the Titans play. Nice. The other, this one was new to me. I wasn't expecting this. He did say there is an unannounced Heritage Classic game between two Canadian teams. Now the Jets have been in the last two. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm not, Jets won't be in this one. I I'm not think. expect. I'm expecting like Toronto, Montreal. Just get the two teams in there with the biggest fan bases, or try to make as much money as you can. That's what this season is about. And I didn't. What about mean- the Canucks? What about the Canucks getting a game? I mean, I think the only time mm-hmm. they played an outdoor game yeah. was the infamous game at BC Place against Ottawa, where Tortorella benched Roberto Luongo, which essentially. You know, he was off the team in a week, if I'm not mistaken. It was sort of the last call. They're going with Eddie Lack in that game. I remember they wore those wild old school maroon jerseys for that as well. But that outdoor, that quote unquote outdoor game, um, in a lot of ways, started the unraveling of the entire Canuck franchise coming down in that spiral since 2011. Yeah. Sorry. I got to re email uh, Stephen Wino his thing. But yeah, I remember Vancouver hasn't been in too many. I think they're going to, I think, you know, all this is about trying to get back revenue. Would they do a uh, Vancouver Seattle outdoor game in Vancouver and uh, have all those oh. Kraken fans? Oh, but I think that's it. That's, that's a great a, idea. 
That's an you probably don't need to do that year one, no. but year two or year three of the Kraken existence, and maybe have it down. Oh, can you imagine if they did it at the link at CenturyLink oh. Field, home of the Seahawks? Like yes. that's such a great loud stadium. Uh, you know what? I think you just called the shot, Remo. I would not yeah. be surprised if that hey. happens at some point in the future. It is sort of wild to think about the Kraken. I was just looking at the schedule, <clears throat> doing a lot more on Sports at 960 coming up next month. I was just sort of checking out some of the key dates. I mean, honestly, three weeks from right now, you're going to be getting mm-hmm. ready for the expansion draft. A couple days later is the actual NHL draft on the 23rd, which is the Friday. And then five days later from that, on the 28th, we get going into free agency. And I would imagine August will be a little quieter for hockey news once you get through that sort of first week after, you know, the the you know the, the 28th. One week of free agency, then a bunch of the execs will go to the cottage for a couple of weeks, and then they'll be right back getting ready for a reading for training camp. So, you know, we'll finish up with this Stanley Cup final over the next couple of weeks, Remus, and yeah. then we'll get into two of the more interesting weeks I think we've seen in recent NHL history as so much needs to get done in such a short period of time during a period where we're usually long gone into the off season and all of those things have been taken care of. Yeah. You know, I gotta be honest. I'm kind of enjoying this July 29 Stanley cup final. I went to a a friend's house. He set his TV up in the backyard, had a nice gathering under 10 people and uh, we were able to watch the game outside. So that was actually pretty cool. I'm guess you could do that in early June, but um, it was. I felt it felt nice for me to watch the game with some buddies again because uh, you haven't had that feeling uh, feeling for a while. There's Samuel twenty two returning in chat. What's up, man? Oh, is Sam back? He's the big Habs fan coming back. We weren't sure if he'd be here after the loss, but he's back in chat. And one of the things they were asked about Atta yesterday, boy, Sam, I, you know, yeah. I got a lot of respect for Samuel because yeah, he was giving it to us during the uh, the Habs series, but yeah. came back, stayed here, and now even after the loss last night, Sam's back. And I know he was up in the uh, Kenny and Rennie chat afterwards. Really? So uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot of a lot of respect for Samuel twenty two. He's become a regular here. We enjoy having yeah. him here, and I know there's a lot of people that are. Even though the Habs ended the Jets season in the fashion that they did, um, still hoping for the uh, the Canadians to be able to get it done. So uh, great to see you, Samuel. Yeah. Uh, it takes a big man to show up on the bad days as well as the good days. All right. I'm going to hook up with Stephen Wino coming up. I do want to tell you, popped into Boston Pizza last night. The honey dill fried chicken sandwich, new new item on the summer menu. Uh, you got to try this, folks. We all know honey dill is a Winnipeg thing. Well, they're taking it na- na- nationwide, and it's now on a chicken sandwich. Definitely get it. They got the burger Italiano as well. But what I think now with the patios banging the way they are right now, the bulldog margarita fish bowl that's out, the white sangria smash, the peachy mojito royale, and the galaxy fish bowl, all very popular selections when you get together with your friends on a Boston pizza patio. Do that. Of course, they've still got the takeout and delivery restaurants are open inside. Let's get out and support all our local restaurants and make sure to check out that new summer menu over at Boston pizza. Tell you a little bit more about Aikens Lake and be heading out there in a couple weeks. Cannot wait to do that. But if you're thinking about a staycation, if you will, a world-class fishing excursion right here in the province of Manitoba, where you can be on the water after the plane ride in less than two hours from the city, Aikens Lake is the spot. Check them out online at AkinsLake.com or hit up Pit Turan on Twitter at Aikens Lake. And uh, tough night for yours truly at Assiniboia Downs last night for the live racing. I think I got skunked. Not sure what Remus did. 
but we will get back to the duel at the the duel at the downs later on with our picks for tonight's race. Don't forget, you can get an account at hpibet.com. Bet with us. Watch all the races at Assiniboia Downs as well as around the world, and check out their YouTube page. ASD Live goes six forty five with um, some suggestions and intel on all the races coming up tonight. You know, Cinnaboya Downs and uh, everything available at asdowns.com. We'll get to cool bet lines a little bit later on. But first and foremost, let's welcome in our good friend Stephen Wino from the AP. Just slumming it down in Tampa, Florida right now. What's going on, Wino? How are you? I'm I'm great. It's 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 gorgeous. It's a little hot and a little humid. So, but sitting out here with the palm trees and working, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, well, it's probably just good to be on the road again. I mean, after everything that's taken place over the last little while, let me ask you this before we get into, you know, the commissioner and the, um, you know, obviously the series right now. Um, you've been covering everything from afar. What's it like for the media to actually be seeing each other again, as opposed to nonstop Zoom calls for the last 16 months? It's fun. I mean, we still have the Zoom calls as we're like doing them in our hotel rooms or we're doing them uh, from the rink. But it's nice to be able to do them next to people and, and, and kind of be around. And, and that's the part of this job that, that you know, this that's what we enjoy. Like it's it's the, the games and, and the moments matter, but it's also the fellowship. It's, it's being around everybody again. And to be able to do that fully vaccinated and, and be able to kind of do what we've we've done here. It's a blast. Well, listen, I saw the tweet, uh, you know, you somewhere in Tampa with a couple pints in front of you with the series about to begin. And I'm like, all right, nature is healing. Why don't I have a couple of beer before the final? And we'll be talking about it coming up. Listen, we'll talk about the series and, and everything else in a second. Um, you led off yesterday's um, press conference with the commissioner on the state of the league and not surprisingly wasn't asking about the game, wasn't asking about the Olympics. You were asking about this Blackhawk story. Um, it has continued to grow as far as the amount of people paying attention to it. Um, it's an incredibly serious situation, I think, for the National Hockey League. Uh, let's focus first on that. What did you and the rest of the media hear and didn't hear from Bill Daly and Gary Bettman when it comes to these allegations of a cover-up of a sexual assault of a player or two players in 2010? Yeah, and, and, and really a, a team effort from, from uh, Katie Strang, uh, Chris Johnston, Frank Saravalli, other colleagues, Mark Lazarus, in, in trying to get to the bottom of what the league knew and when they knew it. And, and I think uh, Gary Bedman, to, to my question, said it was relatively recently that the league found out about these allegations against Brad Aldrich, that two Blackhawks players had, had, had said in 2010 that he had sexually assaulted them. And, and to the point where it was clear that the league was not all kind of on the the front burner of this until fairly recently certainly in in the past few weeks months when the story came out that the blackhawks didn't call the league to to, to tell them about this and, and so what I, I don't think gary got into because of an investigation the blackhawks are launching now is is when the league knew that the blackhawks kind of blew this well, uh, who knew there uh mark bergevin told us the other day that he was not aware of this he, he was the director of player personnel at the time uh, Stan Bowman has been radio silent on this as they hired a federal prosecutor or former federal prosecutor to, to investigate this. But people are going to lose their jobs from this. And and I, I think the question becomes how far up the chain of command or how far low down the chain of command did people know about this? It, players have come out and said that even Dan Carcillo, who was on the Flyers at the time, said there was buzz about this at the time. So more people knew this than, than we know right now. 
Um, and and it, it reminds me of the Joe Paterno situation with Jerry Sandusky at Penn State that it's going to bring people down. And 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 I, I don't mean necessarily at the league level unless people knew. But from, from all the comments yesterday, it sounds like the league is kind of awaiting that Blackhawks investigation. And the league could also then launch its own investigation of the Blackhawks and their conduct. But I think it's now a wait and see situation from the league perspective on what that investigation turns up. Yeah, I mean, listen, nobody looks good, very uh, looks very good right now. I mean, anyone that was involved in it, and there's so, I mean, the tentacles of this stretch to all sorts of teams. I mean, Q's coaching in Florida, Bergevin's in the Cup final with Montreal. Kevin Dayoff, who was with the Blackhawks at the time as the assistant GM, is here in Winnipeg as the assistant GM. Now, Dayoff and Bergevin, from the reports that we've read, were not in that meeting. And you know, when you're talking about something this serious with some companies, I mean, they're not sending out an all-staff email telling everybody what's going on when it's that serious. But at the same time, you know, like we've heard, it just did seem like everybody knew. Um, but in particular, Stan Bowman, um, he's the general manager of the Blackhawks. He was in that meeting. He's been with them through this entire period of time. He's also the GM for USA Hockey. Um, for all the, the timing of the Blackhawks investigation, what the NHL may or may not do, I have a feeling the first shoe might to drop might be to drop is from the USA Olympic Committee. I, I think it's I think it's the other way around. I do think the Blackhawks, if they were to make a move there and then USA Hockey would follow. Um, and, and it would be very easy for USA Hockey to say Bill Guerin, who is, is the assistant GM for the Olympic team, can take over. And now Chris Drury is a president and general manager in the NHL with the Rangers. And Chris Drury is more than capable of being able to, to assist Bill Guerin at the Olympics. It, it's fresh blood in terms of management after years of Brian Burke and David Poyle and Ray Shiro to have new guys in there with no previous connection. Uh, Sam Bowman's a, a very good GM, but this is something that I think USA Hockey, after this investigation is complete, might distance themselves from Stan Bowman. Well, I mean, I, listen, I mean, I don't know how much time they have to wait, though, Stephen. I mean, when you think about USA Olympic Committee, I mean, they're not attached to the hockey world. This is just another sport in a massive umbrella of organizations. And my God, when you think about the horrors what have come out of the gymnastics program in the past few years, I'm not sure that they can just sit back idly and wait um, for that to happen. Yeah, and and. and- but there's no history of USA Hockey doing that. Um, the, 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 and and, and I, they have they were criticized fairly, I believe, for hiring John Van Beesbrook, given his his re- com- previous comments, racist comments about Trevor Daly. Uh, pe- people can grow and change, and, and they wanted to give John Van Beesbrook a, an opportunity. But this may be one of those situations where they have to say, look, Stan, if you want to tender your resignation now, we can move on from this. But look, we still don't have an Olympic agreement yet. So, so do we even know where you're picking players from? Everyone's hoping it's going to be the NHL, but there's no guarantee yet that this NHL deal gets done as Gary Bettman and, and Bill Daly kind of poured some cold water on that last night. Now, um, you know, Remus and I were talking earlier. I mean, I got a lot of respect for Bettman and Bill Daly. They're very, very intelligent individuals. They're also very accomplished lawyers. Um, that was about the most lawyer speak I've heard in one of their press conferences ever. And I guess you realize why it is, Stephen, but I think it speaks to just what a serious situation this is for the individuals involved, but also for the National Hockey League, considering the times we're living in and the period that this has apparently been sitting under the surface with a number of important individuals knowing exactly what happened and what came afterwards, which is the worst part about the story. Right. And and, and I think the liability factor is why you heard the lawyers speak there is that if if the, the those players who have sued the team 
the NHL could become liable in all of this as well. It, it may not reach to that point, but given kind of the way the U.S. court system works, the, the juries are, and, and the judge is allowed to kind of set whatever damages are. And the, the NHL is a multi-billion dollar organ, organization. And so that that's where I think they're being very careful about what they say, even if what they're doing behind closed doors is, is trying to get at things and, and ask questions and wonder what's going on. It, it's prudent for them to, to say what they can say and not what they're not what they think they need to say, but say what they're allowed to say at the, this point, because really words don't matter uh, as, as much as we want to know what they have to say. The actions of what happens here with the Blackhawks and with the NHL will matter more than anything Gary Bettman and Bill Daly said last night. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Stephen Wino from the AP joining us from the Stanley Cup final in Tampa, Florida. Um, the, the end game for this, uh, like, can this stretch into next season? I mean, I don't know. It's not like any of the, any of the media are the ones that say, "Well, this investigation needs to be wrapped up by this time." But I, I have a hard time imagining the Blackhawks going into even opening a training camp without having some clarity on where the situation goes because of you know the severity of some of the things that are alleged to have happened or not have happened, and the people involved and their prominence within that organization. Never mind the others around the league that may or may not be involved. Sure. And I think I think what, if you're the Blackhawks and, and, and you're hiring uh, Reed Shard to, to do this, that you probably say, look, we'd love you. You, you, you do, do what you need to do. Take the time you need. But yeah, from from an optics standpoint and, and just an execution of everybody kind of getting back to normal and, and reporters talking to players in person again and those sort of things. I think this does need to get wrapped up by by the middle of September. And we're looking at two months now. For, for Reed Shard and his team to, to do this investigation. A lot of things have already come out from Paul Vincent and others about the situation. The lawsuits are, are publicly available. Uh, you're able to, to, I think there's enough there and enough people who either knew or were around that it's not going to be hard to find people who were part of this situation. What they knew at the time is, is going to be what takes the time and putting the report out. But there's a good chance that this, is, this turns into not only a lot of people losing their jobs from Stan Bowman on down, uh, loss of draft picks, fines. Uh, there's a there's a lot that could happen here to the Chicago Blackhawks that could affect them off and on the ice. Uh, no, it's uh, it is well. How big like is, is this in your mind? I mean, you're around there. You're speaking with at least certainly your colleagues in the media. Is it fair to describe that this is a bit of a cloud hanging over the Stanley Cup final right now? A little bit. I mean, I I, I think it's I think you can compartmentalize and and separate the games and, and, and kind of this story that's separate from that, but also realize that this story is more important than any game. And, and, and which is why I, I, I let off that, that news conference last night asking about it, because to me it, it is the biggest story uh, or most important story going on in the NHL right now. It, this is, this is humans. This is sexual assault, uh, the sexual assault of players as well um, in the league and happened so long ago and was covered up that it, it's, it's a lot like the Watergate scandal. It's the crime and it's the cover-up uh, of kind of what happened and how do people react to it. And it sounds like a lot of people reacted poorly to this. Uh, the games are still good. Look, I, it's the Stanley Cup final. I, there's a culmination of kind of the end of the pandemic here in the United States and and, and playing these games. But it, it's going on at the, at the same time to where I don't think anybody who's participating in the series is really thinking or worrying about it. But when you kind of step back and realize you don't lose the forest for the trees, that this is a, a, a new story. This is a, an important human story that is separate from and bigger than hockey. Well, I mean, especially when, you know, the alleged negligence of passing on this information to the cops and doing what probably should have been done, you know, led to 
more individuals and minors being, you know, assaulted by this individual. And I mean, that just takes it to a whole nother level, um, which is a big part of the story. Um, that being said, there were some other thing topics that Bettman and Daly did touch on. What was your take from what they had to say about the Olympics? Should fans be tempering their hopes to finally see the best on best get back at it in Olympic hockey? Yeah, and, and and I don't think it was necessarily a public negotiation. Like, I don't think they went into that saying we need to, to come out and say this, but time is running out. And and, and I'm, I'm still hopeful, cautiously optimistic that a deal is going to get done. But the, the truth of the matter is it needs to get done and, and until until there's an agreement. And, and, and what makes this so complicated is the four parties involved. It's the league. It's the Players Association. It's IIHF and the IOC all at the same time. And, and so you have to make the players happy. You have to make the Board of Governors happy. You have to make the IOC kind of give in to certain things like insurance and, and travel costs. Same things that were true in Sochi that, that Thomas Bach and the IOC, for whatever reason, backed off of and, and didn't want to do. The league doesn't like owning the Olympics. It's, it's very clear. Owners don't care about it. They don't see any benefit as much as even Ryan McDonough said that there, there's a, a benefit to hockey in general. But. Uh, they the league doesn't see it. The league doesn't make a connection between going to the Olympics and growing the game as, as to their revenue and to their product because they don't get to show the video clips. They don't get to kind of be part of, of the the advertising and the marketing and all and the promotion of all that. So it's not their thing. So the players want to go. I, I think fans want to see that happen, but it, it's trying to like make so many different groups of people happy that we're, it's run out of time to actually happen. Uh, what about the rest of the league? Like how when we get going uh, next season, uh, it sounds like there's going to be an all star game. There's going to be some outdoor games. I mean, uh, we'll be we'll be relatively close to business as usual, assuming that we can get fans in the stands north of the border. Yeah. And then it, it sounds like a, a regular NHL season, although starting a little bit later probably going a little bit later into the to the spring, not quite this late into the summer where we're going to be in, in Tampa in July next year. But I, I do. I do think you have the the the, the, the uh, awards tonight. Now you'll have an award show next year. You'll have a draft in person in Montreal. You'll have the the, the All Star Game in, in Vegas. Maybe potentially leading into the Olympics, into an Olympic break, depending on, on if this can get done. But full buildings and in some places, like Buffalo has said, you've got to be fully vaccinated to be able to get in buildings. But we already had sixteen thousand here in in Tampa uh, last night for for game one of the final, and it, it's going to be fun, especially I think of a building like Seattle or the new building on the island, and 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 just the to know that it's going to be full in the fall and, and feel like a real hockey season again. Eighty two games might have some remnants of the schedule with some of those back to backs like series sort of things, but I, it, it'll feel more like a like a real season again. Speaking of feeling, uh, what was the atmosphere uh, around the building and inside the building last night for game one of the cup final? Of course, the, they're the defending champs, but they won it in a bubble away from their fans last year. Yeah, and it was the first playoff game in Tampa since that 2019 sweep by Columbus. And and, and it kind of struck me, and, and, and I put it on Twitter, and then Sabres fans are like, 2019, how, how bad for them? Because they haven't seen a playoff game at home for a little bit longer than that. But there was an energy in the building that was like, Finally, like and the fans have been in the building for the playoffs here before, but it's in the cup final. People get the, the, the players can taste it, but fans can taste how good this team is. This is a, a dominant all time generational team uh, that has been put together by Steve Eisman and Julian Breesbaugh that 
they're now three wins away, but before that, four wins away of being able to do this again and being the second team in the in the cap era to repeat. It's I, I think there's an appreciation of that 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 maybe might have gotten lost in the in the bubble because you didn't have fans there, but people are kind of getting a hold of, of just how close this goal is to to finally happening for this team. Well, and I'll say this: um, anyone that thought there might be a bit of a let up after a very tough seven game meat grinder against the New York Islanders, um, the uh, no such slippage for the Lightning last night. Uh, a strong start and really a great hard nosed sixty minutes against a Montreal Canadiens team um, that usually likes to get up and suffocate these games. It was kind of Tampa that did that to Montreal last night. Yeah, and and this is it's what the teams that have played the Canadians before didn't do what the Jets couldn't do what the Leafs eventually couldn't do and, and Vegas couldn't do is is they got tons of traffic in front of Carey Price to take his eyes away they they, they took the body at every opportunity and the Lightning are a very mature team and and Ryan McDonough said this earlier that you're going to realize that sometimes you're going to lose games in a series and it's kind of the buildup of, of trying to wear a team down over the course of a series and and whether that's mentally and the adjustments made or the physical toll of, of playing these games it's it's how the lightning have won all these series it's how they haven't lost the series since columbus is they take such a clinical approach to hockey and 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 beating up the canadians means beating them up physically and, and also kind of wearing them down with making them defend and, and all of those things and, and making it hard on Carey Price. Carey Price was terrific last night, but he still lets in five goals because he didn't see a lot of them. It's, and so the Lightning just did a better job of being the Lightning and doing a better job of going up against the Canadians than anyone else in these playoffs. Well, exactly. I mean, I take it from people in Winnipeg who saw the A game of the Montreal Canadiens just um, you know suffocate the Winnipeg Jets for the better part of that four-game series, as well as Vegas. Um, they weren't able to do that last night. And a big part of it, you know, we focus on all the incredible high-end offensive talent on Tampa Bay, but their physicality, their tenacity, and how hard they were on the puck and on the Canadians last night, especially a guy like Brendan Gallagher, really sort of set the tone early. And they didn't let up late in the third period when they had the game in hand. They continued to push that pace and grind down their opponent and uh Man, it ended up with sort of a wild, it looked like a WWE scene there with Gallagher in the hell in the cell there at the end. But um, the physicality of the Lightning, if you haven't been watching this team, it might surprise you. But they understand what it takes to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs, especially at this point in the tournament. And that's what the third period said to me last night is this, this is a team that knows what it's doing in these situations. They weren't going to they weren't going to hold back. Or, or defend, uh, and they did that. I think in, in Game Six of that Islander series, and, and lost in overtime. That this is a team that, that has been here before, and, and didn't go lost on anybody. That John Cooper threw five forwards out there on the power play late in that game. <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 it's it's everything about last night was sending a message and, and setting a tone, and that's what the Lightning did. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, they've got they're here to uh, to finish the job, um, and you know, if you think about the path that the Lightning took to get here. Um, uh, there was a lot of people that thought that Florida had a good chance of beating them in the first round. They went up against an excellent Carolina team in round two. And I mean, I don't know if there's a tougher out in the Stanley Cup playoffs than Barry Trotz's New York Islanders. who so it seems like the path they've taken to get here, not to mention what they did last year in the bubble, has sort of steeled them to to run this back. And uh, man, Montreal is going to really have its uh, its hands cut out for them. Although at the same time, we saw Montreal lose game one to Vegas. And uh, we all know what happened in the rest of that series. Yeah, I think everything that the Lightning have done since 2019 have steeled them for this. And, and, and I think losing that series changed them in a lot of ways. It changed them as a team, changed individuals, and kind of how they approach hockey, how they tro- approach the playoffs. And, and it's helped at every level of, of this playoff run 
that once they get a punch, they know how to absorb it and they know how to deliver another punch back. And, and, and that's what has made this team such a good kind of playoff hockey group. Uh, interesting to hear the Nuge get an eight-year extension with the uh, Oilers today. Uh, wh- wh- what did you think when you heard the number and the term in that? I mean, certainly, you know, he got the eight years, which wasn't available on the open market. But I think that, you know, considering the lack of, free agents at the center position that are really contributing probably left some money on the table, at least on an AAV. What did you think when you saw the eight year extension for uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins? It's certainly a far, a far uh, leap from the, the trade rumors that, that kind of dogged him and, and that team of, of maybe moving on from, from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but they, they clear Ken Holland and, and Dave Tippett clearly like him as part of this group. What, kind of surprises me and i'm going to loop the wayne simmons extension into this with the leafs is these two teams that that had very disappointing playoff performances sticking with the same group essentially and and staying the course in a way that i don't know if i would have done or or some other managers would have done but these are teams that that are pretty confident in the talent they have yeah well and you know of course spezza got re-signed afterwards and i mean spezza was one of the best leafs in the (laughs) in the playoffs which i mean i realize is not a, a high bar considering the way things left uh, finished up against Montreal, but he got there. But the Simmons was a little surprising because um, he didn't really contribute very much late in the season or in the playoffs and ended up getting a two uh, a two-year deal. But if there's one thing I think we're seeing right now from teams like the Islanders, Canadians are a perfect example of that. You know, experienced veterans that can contribute in the playoffs on low salaries is, um, you know, really the way a lot of the top teams have filled out their rosters. And many of those players, Corey Perry, probably being the best example, making a huge impact in the playoffs, albeit had sort of a quiet regular season. Yeah, Corey Perry, Eric Stahl, uh, I'll throw Patrick Maroon in there too as, as a guy who can can do those sort of things. Is is you In addition to needing kind of the entry-level guys of, of being a, these cheap contracts in a cap environment, if you can get that veteran player at, at a, a veteran minimum or close to that, in a cap world where especially the cap's not going up uh, next season and maybe beyond that, that's what smart GMs have to do and, and finding the right veterans who are part of that mix. Excellent. Well, listen, Wino, it's great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, Of course, I mean, your work appears in papers uh, all around, but uh, what do you have cooking up uh, for AP coming up in the next couple of days as you follow the final and then it heads to Montreal? Well, we're going to get into Braden Point a little bit and Andre Vasilevsky's growth, but uh, today just on on the Canadians and and bouncing back because that Suzuki uh, Caulfield to Foley line really struggled last night. And and if the Canadians are going to even compete in this series, they need a lot more from that. Hey, pal, thanks so much for doing this. Great to catch up, as always. Keep up the great work, and uh, let's do it again soon. Sounds great. Talk to you soon. <laughs> there he is, Stephen Wino from the AP. Follow him on Twitter, at S Wino. Uh, great friend of the program and uh, doing some great work. And, of course, if you heard the um, presser with Gary Bettman yesterday, first up was Stephen Wino from the AP. And, of course, we started with the Blackhawks story because that was uh, what a large number of questions uh, given to Daly and Bettman were about yesterday, and uh, Wino let it off. Uh, great stuff. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. Reem, uh, we hit a number of topics with um, with Wino. Um, we did not talk about the uh, the Nuge extension. Eight years, forty one million bucks. I think the AAV makes a lot of sense for the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, we'll see how that deal looks like uh, in year seven or eight, which is always the case with these long term extensions. But it's interesting. I was talking to Nielsen today. Nuge can become the all-time games played leader for the Edmonton Oilers in like year four or five of the contract. Um, 
I mean, hey, he's been an oiler. It sounds like he's going to be an oiler for life. He got the no move cause. And, uh, you know, certainly I can think of, uh, you know, it is probably pretty exciting to play on a team that has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and despite the fact that they haven't really had much team success. And the Nuge has been through the worst of it. Um, certainly does want to see uh, the uh, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, if you will. Yeah, he's been a good uh, player. I think since they moved him, you know, he's become more of a secondary player behind McDavid and Dreisaitl. He's really had a nice, uh, nice couple seasons here. And I'll never forget, I was behind him in line to get into the Heritage Classic as a couple of years ago at IG Field. Now, uh, what is it? Change the name Canada Life Field or something? Or no, I, f- I forget. Anyways. IG uh, Field. Sorry, I'm mixing up the uh, the Jets. It is IG. I'm mixing up the yes. uh, Jets Arena that changed the name. Anyways, I couldn't remember uh, remember how uh, young he looked, but he's kind of grown up, grown into his body a little more. And uh, hell, yeah, the crazy thing, he could be the all-time leader in, uh, in games played uh, for them. So I think, you know what, we'll have to wait and see, Husk, because you know what's a flat cap? We'll have to compare some of the other contracts, but this is kind of, maybe this is like the market setter of the new, you know, NHL with, you know, post-pandemic. Well, and, and you know what's interesting about it is I think, as I mentioned to Wino, I mean, there certainly would have been interested in Nuge on the open market. Now, whether he would have gotten a seven-year deal at more money, I mean, maybe, maybe, Um but what's interesting about this one, and you don't see this very often for a player, you know, accomplished like Nugent Hopkins, is he took a pay cut. I mean, he was making $6 million yes. in his last year and ended up going down to just north of five. And, you know, I think there was somewhat of a sacrifice to get the the term, and it probably worked better for the Oilers. But it's not too often you see good players like Nugent Hopkins making not absurd money, take less on what will inevitably be in all likelihood, the final contract they sign as NHLers. He's all, yeah, he's, he's 28. I think he's going to be 35 at the end of the deal or 36, but I got to double check, but it's not 36 like he's, or 37 because I yeah. mean, this is only kicking in next year and you've got okay. another eight seasons. So. so there you go. Yeah. He's 28. So another 18. Yeah. So you know, maybe he gets one more after, but it's not like some of these ones you've seen where a guy is in like their mid thirties and signs a log deal and goes till like you know over forty. So you know you think you think his game would be able to translate uh, that long, but we'll wait and see. They did put out um, what the I think Pierre LeBrun tweeted out the value, and it seemed like he was getting a lot of money up front, and then as the contract went on, it was less real. Yeah, here's the contract: it was five, five point two five, six point two five for two. Then four million plus two salary bonus, and then the last three years he's getting like uh, a lot of its salary, and then a bit of bonus. I can pull pull up this uh, this tweet. So that's uh that's interesting how they it's always interesting how they structure uh, the money here in terms of real salary and bonus. Well, the bonuses, of course, because the bonuses are guaranteed. I mean, even yeah. in the case of buyouts, and that's why a guy like Milan Lucic has been so difficult to buy out. I mean, those contracts from that one year. Um, you know, there was a competitive market. I mean, all of the deals ended up being terrible pretty much for the people that signed these players, but uh, they almost makes them buyout proof. Yeah. Now, this isn't the case, as you can see, uh, but it does go down a little bit more. The Most of the money is in the first four years. Uh, but again, it spreads out that cap number for the Edmonton Oilers, who have a lot of free, have a lot of money this season. And there, there's been so much talk. We'll get someone on from Edmonton. We'll get Dusty on one of these next few days, or maybe as we get closer to all the offseason moves. But this has sort of been presumed that it's going to be the summer of Holland. And he's got some money. He's got some major significant needs to go forward. 
Um, but I guess they figured that losing Nugent Hopkins would leave such a hole that they'd have to fill before they move on to those other things. If they could get Nuge done at a number that makes sense for the club, like they ended up doing, um, that's the way they'd go for it. And everyone at Edmonton sure seemed happy this morning because he is a you know really solid player and a guy that's very, very popular in Edmonton. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree. So we'll have to wait and see uh, what it means, I think, for the rest of the contracts. I see Mitch in chat saying, uh, Andrew Kopp might not be happy about that deal if he was hoping for a lot of money and you put their numbers together. And if Nugent Hopkins gets, you know, this as a, you know, a free, you know, UFA deal, Andrew Kopp is an RFA, so maybe he comes in a bit less. Well, I, I, I'll tell you what, I'm fascinated as to how this cop situation goes forward because I mean, he's coming off a career year. Everybody knows how important he is to the Winnipeg jets and Paul Maurice and Kevin Sheveldayoff or, you know, everything is staying the course. Um, so I think there's no doubt that the Winnipeg jets will do everything they can to get him signed. The thing that I wonder Remus is that, you know, considering what cop feels that he's worth considering how he's really earned everything that's come his way and the biggest part of it, the bad taste in his mouth after arbitration the year before, you wonder whether this might be a more difficult deal for the Winnipeg Jets to get done than some of the other extensions they've done in the past. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'll never forget when we had him on uh, the old station after his last contract negotiation that went to arbitration. And he was really open. He said he wasn't happy. He didn't like what they said. But you know what? Full credit to him. He came out and proved it this year, what he was worth. Had a career year, 39 points in 55 games, 15 goals, 24 assists. And he's very versatile. He can play on, on uh, all three positions. I think we kind of established that, you know, he's more of a, a middle six player than a, than a top line player. But, I mean, he's valuable. He kills penalties. So what, what kind of contract uh, would he get? What does he want? And, you know, do the Jets look, you know, you got to protect, if you want to protect Mason App- Appleton? Because it pretty much seems like now, it's pretty much Cop or Appleton for that last protected spot. Yeah. Um, you know, do you trade Cop to someone and try to get get something so you're not losing a guy for nothing? I'm again, I, I don't know, but a, a lot of things for the Jets to want to consider. Yeah, well, I mean, they're going to lose somebody for nothing, no matter what. When it yes. comes to Seattle, I mean, you know, to me, I just focus in on the blue line, and I really do wonder whether there'll be a defenseman or two that's available for Seattle that will be very attractive to Kevin Sheveldayoff. And, you know, a, a move will be made for future assets, other players, multiple players from the team coming over to reshape the defense in that way. Because as we know, um, free agency is a difficult, difficult way to completely fix your blue line. And hey, you get Dougie Hamilton to show up in the peg on a long term deal. Well, great. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, he's going to have a lot of suitors and, you know, probably Winnipeg wouldn't be near the top of his list. Um, you want to way overpay? I guess you can do that, but that certainly hasn't been the mo of the Jets in the past. But there will need to be some, you know, new blood on that blue line. Um, some of it could be coming from within with the young players that we've talked about. But it was pretty clear at the end of the season. I think when you heard from the general manager that they would like to make a move or two to shore up that blue line because coming out of the Montreal series, as much as we talked about the lack of scoring from the forward group without Mark Shifley in the lineup. It was really the series that, you know, a lot of the deficiencies on the Jet Blue Line were exposed, especially after Dylan DeMello went out in, what, the first shift of game number one? Yeah, it wasn't ideal. And, you know, their defense had trouble moving the puck all season. You know, they don't have exactly have a, a large number of offensive defense. When you look at a team like uh, Colorado, it seems like everyone can move the puck. The Islanders, I mean, these are teams with uh, strong back ends. So 
I think the Jets need upgrades on a couple spots. You know, they had seemed like they had a lot of depth guys, but not a lot of those middle guys, and they definitely didn't have like that top dog like they had when Dustin Bothell was here. And I, I don't want to bring him up because you know he seems he comes up every 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 show in the chat, but. I mean, they they really miss a guy like that on their team. It makes everyone around, you know, elevate. Every everyone. time Ben Sherrod has a great game, I get at least three or four texts or tweets saying, did Buff screw the Jets? Yeah. Well, yeah, he did. I mean, I don't know if there's any other way. I mean, you can say he did what he wanted, wanted to do. He did his Buff thing. And, you know, listen, I know a lot of people are hesitant maybe to to to, you know, criticize him because of, just how incredible he was for the Winnipeg Jets, how popular he was. But, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that, you know, the timing of what happened with Bufflin set the team back in a big way. And if it happened earlier or they knew that he wasn't going to play, they probably handled that offseason differently. And maybe the the guy that, you know, gets kept the most is Ben Sherratt, uh, because it just seemed like they didn't have the money. And then once Buff was gone, they certainly had the money and they had massive, massive holes on the blue line. Um, anyways, you know what? It, that's just another chapter of the wild Dustin Bufflin era here in Winnipeg. Sort of a sad ending, but um, everyone still loves the guy for what he did on the Jet Blue Line. I, I'll say this. I love, you know, it doesn't change that I loved watching him as a player and he did stuff that no one else could do. But I think you do have to acknowledge the, again, the sad ending and here, I'll move on. There was one thing from Gary Bettman's address that we didn't touch on that people were asking about. And we talked about this last week, gambling, legal in Canada now, the NHL embracing gambling partners. You know, they have a team in Vegas. Someone asked them yesterday if they're going to start becoming more forthcoming about injuries or goalie starts. Because, look, we're trying to play fantasy. We're trying to place bets on the games. How can you do that when you don't know? It's it, there's nothing. People need more, the confidence. People need confidence yeah. in what they're betting on. There's nothing more frustrating when you're going to set your like DraftKings lineup, and I think DraftKings is a partner with the NHL. And it's noon or after the morning skate, and some coaches is like, "I'm not telling you, my goalie. You'll you'll have to wait and see till who's first off uh, the bench for warmups." <laughs> it's the worst. And they asked Batman, like, have your gambling partners expressed, you know, frustration or something that you're not giving this information out? And he's basically said no. And there, I don't think that's not true. It seems like in the near, it seems like (laughs) you think that's not true. It seems like in the near future, they're not going to make it mandatory. I mean, you see rules in the NFL with lineup lock, you know, however long you have to say who your inactives are. And I know basketball is put in stuff like that, too. They should have, you can't have this. Kucherov's a game time decision, and then after the game, like, what? The I was entire always... the entire team game time decision. Yeah, you know, well, how's be, the lineup uh, going to look tonight? Watch the opening face off. Yeah, like what happens is they give you the lineup card, like literally right before it drops, and then maybe like five minutes before, like oh, this is uh, guys a scratch, and you're kind of making guesses based on warm up. I don't know if they're going to do it soon, but they should change. They got to change it, man, for these uh, for these gamblers and fantasy players. Like two hours before the game. You got to submit your lineup card or like an hour before, like before they get on the ice for a warm up, like, you know, let, more than 30 minutes before the game. That's maybe that's just me. But they were asked and they said they said no. I think maybe that's something they'll continue to be asked because this upper body, lower body, um, big injury <laughs> stuff. I mean, I can kind of get behind that a bit in the playoffs. But tell us who your goalie is. Tell us who's <laughs> in the tell us the goalie. No. I. 
I think it's laughable to begin with. I mean, like as if like what's the difference? Like as if the as if the opposing coach is sitting there going like, "Oh man, are they really going to throw Vasilevsky out there again tonight?" Or uh, they're going to go with the backup. I mean, of course. I mean, people pretty much know unless there's some sort of injury issues. But, like, the team's prepared differently? I doubt it. I, I really don't think so. So, I mean, listen, we'll probably get there at some point with uh, increased. But And the reason why is going to be people cutting fat checks to the National Hockey League and their member teams saying these checks will be more if people have the confidence that the information they have is correct that'll be more money coming in. Listen, yeah. the money is what will create all the decisions for the most part. And I think there's a benefit to them to go that way. It might take a little while for us to get there and other leagues will certainly be leading the way. And they will once again, be following the others as it happens. Imagine if like baseball teams, like didn't give you uh, their projected starters. Like, Oh, you're going to have to see who throws the warm up out before the game. You're going to have to wait and see, but no, they give you like, they give you the rotation. So, <laughs> You know what's uh, amazing? The minute we sorry, I just I'm looking at the chat here on YouTube, and the minute we mention Buff, uh, it, it 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 never fails. Um, hot takes on all sides uh, about it. Uh, I see uh, Larry Bong. He could have done his Buff thing in a more team friendly way if he had any respect for the Jets org. And then Mal Paris saying good on Buff. He didn't owe us anything. Um, yeah, listen, I, I get, you know, there's two sides to it. I mean, just the way that it happened, um, you know, it'd be like, you know, if you have any job and you've committed to work for a couple of years and you're going into an incredibly important time for your job. I mean, if you just walk away, uh, after they expected you to be there, there's going to be, there's going to be an aftermath and it's going to affect a lot of other people. And it did. I mean, listen, Buff didn't have to play he, and he didn't, um, but I don't think that, there's no way you can debate that that didn't have a real negative effect on the Jets. And it would have been less negative. I mean, losing him was the worst part about it all. The timing about it, though, complicated it and made it more difficult to fill the massive shoes, both of Buffman as well as some of the other guys went. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, that, that's just where I'm at. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to argue that it wasn't very detrimental. You can say, who cares? He doesn't owe anything to it. And I guess by the books, he doesn't. He didn't get paid. So, I mean, he like it is very rare you see anybody walk away from that sort of money for whatever reason it was. Um, but I don't think you can debate that it was a very, very, it had an extremely negative impact on the Jets to the point where we're still talking about filling that spot on the blue line two years later. Yeah, I, I agree. So uh, it definitely uh, was not a great situation, but he did what uh, he thought was best for himself, and maybe he thought he wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, to go and do a Mal Paris announcing uh, Andrew Luck in the chat. Uh, so I mean, it's definitely happened before. Yeah, I, like, not... yeah, like Andrew Luck, absolutely. I mean, that was, <laughs> I mean, that was a disaster for yeah. it. I mean, and listen, there's no rules on it i mean when you're walking away from the game you walk away be for whatever reason but it's indisputable that timing of decisions like that can have massive massive effects on teams it happened to the colts it's a great example and uh certainly i mean and the thing just about buff and this has nothing to do with screwing the team um you know in the situation that happened but i mean just for me from a fan's perspective it's it's maybe the most disappointing thing that's ever happened um since the jets have been here um, the way that it ended, because it's not like Buff went anywhere else. I mean, sounds like he's living happily ever after, uh, catching big fish and being with his family and all that. 
Um, but I, I really do think that probably the public opinion would be different in a section of Jet fans if he simply said, you know what, I can't do this anymore and I'm going to retire. Um, like that's the one thing I never could really wrap my head around as to why it went as sour as it did. And, you know, he left and then they ended up voiding the contract to potentially make him a free agent and come back. Um, I, I just, I, I really hope, and I think everyone hopes that at some point, the team, the player, the fans will have closure. We'll get Dustin Bufflin back, celebrate his incredible career. Mm-hmm. And uh, and who knows, maybe he'll turn into a gregarious media personality. We'll get to the ESPN. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the ESPN hires. Mm-hmm. The one guy missing as part of the ESPN panel. He could be he could be the Charles Barkley of yeah. hockey. I mean, who would have better takes watching games than Buff? And who would be funnier doing it? I don't think there's anyone. Everyone says that he's the funniest guy in the room. So many of his former teammates that we've talked to. Um, I know he didn't really like doing media. I don't think he was comfortable speaking in front of the microphones, but everyone says that he was uh, the funniest guy. So at ESPN, we'll get to that. One one comment I saw from Tom, you know, we were talking about just fantasy and setting lineups. Um, He says, CFL scratches don't come up to the press box until 30 minutes before kickoff. And as someone who has played CFL fantasy the worst and set lineups and be like, well, is this guy playing? Is this guy playing? You got to have plans. And you're like 30 minutes, not enough time. They got to give these scratches like at least. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, you know, we're talking about this with the NHL, but watch that change with the CFL. I mean, the Mm -hmm. CFL desperately wants to get in on some of this gambling revenue and for football. I mean, you know, we've talked about the example that's sort of set forth by the national football league with the injury reporting throughout the week the cutoff time for actives. Um, I, if the CFO wants to play ball and wants to be a legitimate betting option in the world of sports gambling, both here in Canada and south of the border, they're going to need to follow some of those leads. And and I wouldn't be surprised if it starts happening as early as this year, Remus, with what we've heard happening from uh, the Senate with everything getting approved last week. Yeah, I mean, we'll wait and see. I know I think NFL and actives come out at like 11. <laughs> They come out at 10 or or 11, I forget. They, inact- they give you time, though, the NFL inactive. They let you know, and then you can kind of do what and you need to do. And there's great alerts and all that stuff, because, like, every single person That's, is it's fantasy. Actually the, oh, it's the best. Ball, yeah, ball Paris. I had a friend trade Breeze for luck a couple weeks before it happened at our yes. draft. Oh, my God. There was there were some incredible stories of guys literally acquiring Andrew Luck right around that day, mm-hmm. or, as Paul's friend, or as Maul's friend did. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was some harsh tokes for anyone that was a luck owner at that point. Just going more to Gary Bettman's comments yesterday. Uh, Ken Campbell uh, was he's got his Substack now. Uh, check it out. But he was asking him about the officiating. I know there's been a lot of questions about officiating and <laughs> how the game is different in the playoffs than in the regular season. And Bettman basically said, you know what? It's the players, the ones that are uh, changing the game. It's not the officiating. We have the best. The best officials of any any sport ever, and I, I know how you didn't laugh when saying that. And I and I don't. He's got to back his guys. He's got to back his guys. Yeah, and I don't think anyone took that comment seriously. So I don't know if the league is even addressing anything. I mean, it would be nice to say, you know what? We're concerned about the different standard. I mean, it's pretty clear to everyone, Hus. There's a different standard in the playoffs in the regular season. The league doesn't seem to care, and doesn't seem to. Ha- I think what you take is the league doesn't care, and they're not going to address it. So. Nothing to see here, right? Yeah, uh, apparently. Uh, well, there's something to see here in Winnipeg. There's still a lot of people quite angry as to how they decided to take a stand on one play and let everything else go the, the way that they have. The one play. 
Like the one <laughs> play that I don't think, you know, it's Mark Shifley again. Didn't have, we don't need to revisit this, but we're going to. We didn't have a malicious intent. So many other intent to injure style plays that we've seen um, get nothing. And I think it's, it's unfortunate. It's, it's really sad. And I'm not saying it's not a suspension, but just apply the standard consistently. And that is clearly not being done. Uh, B.A., get Kerry Fraser on here to discuss. We may have to do that. Get Kerry, uh, yeah. get Kerry on the program. He's always a great guy to talk about officiating. Ooh, Wrench Dozer dropping this one. Serena Williams out in the first round of Wimbledon. Injury in the first set. Uh, that will shake, shake things up. I believe she was the betting favorite or right there with Ashley Barty to win the tournament. Uh, won't be the same without seeing Serena Williams out uh, out at it. Hey, listen, a couple more Jets things we want to get to before we get to our ASD picks as well as the cool bet lines today. Remo, we have the results from the Winnipeg Sun poll. And I have to tell you, my reaction before we get to this, it just goes to show you that social media is way more of a cesspool of negativity than the real world, especially when it comes to fans. Like, it, uh, we talked about this when we heard, you know, that, listen, people were pretty choked about the way things went against the uh, uh, against Montreal, and I get it. Um, but we talked about the the questions that the Sun put out, and, you know, it was like Cheval Dayoff, Paul Maurice, you know, you had two options, give him a raise or fire him. And God knows we've heard a lot of complaining about Maurice over the course of the last few years, uh, at times, shovel day off. But remote, considering the way the questions were posed and when this was coming out, I thought that, you know, you'd have high majorities wanting to fire everyone because their only other option was giving them a raise. But I got to tell you, I think there's a lot more optimism amongst the fans that maybe we don't see lighting up Twitter all the time uh, because it was more than 50% on the positive to the raise for all of the Jets coaches. And maybe there's just a lot of fans that think that these guys can, anyone can do no wrong. But I will be honest, we talked about it. The way the questions are posed, I thought it was going to be incredibly negative. And to be honest, the results were the exact opposite. Yeah, and I think we've kind of seen that before where you see on Twitters, you know, that seems to be a consensus opinion. And then on the real world, which is not on Twitter, um, it is not that way. And maybe the best example was what the, uh, 2016 presidential election, in the United States, <laughs> but, Great but, uh, but, but as far as this jet survey, I mean, we had kind of, kind of had fun and it seems like a lot of people, uh, 56% stay, they still have hope the jets are a team. That's a few tweaks away from being a contender. And I, I kind of enjoyed that Winnipeg sun poll i mean some of those questions were phrased interestingly but i think it does give maybe a pulse on um on what the fans uh, well no absolutely and i mean again we sort of had some fun with the fact that the options were give these guys a raise or fire them and i was wanting to see what came out but 63 percent are giving chevy a raise 56 to maurice 53 to huddy 86.2 to dave lowry by far, he hasn't been here long enough for people yeah. to get all over him. So he's got an 80% approval rating. Jamie Compon, 61. Wade Flaherty, 75. Um, so anyways, those are all there. Fun, but all relatively positive numbers considering the way things. Here's a really interesting one, Reem. Did the Jets' four-game sweep of the Oilers make you consider 2021 to be a successful season, even though they got swept themselves in the second round? 
And of 4,000 respondents, this is basically a pick 'em. 49.8 for yes, 50.2 for no. And I'll say this. I think if you told people midseason or in the playoffs that the Jets would sweep in the first round and get bounced in round two, maybe not mentioning the sweep, I think the vast majority of fans would have taken that. Um, but again, after you get it done and then the recency bias of the disappointment of the Montreal series has sort of made this a bit of a 50, 50 proposition. Yeah. You know what? I think they made the playoffs, which we expected them to do. At least you and I did. And they won a round. That's good. But the, I think the disappointing part is just the performance. And I think the, the inconsistent play and maybe that's a personnel issue. Maybe it's a coaching issue. I don't know, but I think it's pretty clear that they need some upgrades on defense and it's going to be up to uh, GM uh, to do that uh, this upcoming off season. And I mean, is there that top dog out there? You're going to have to get a bunch of, uh, you know, mid guys. I mean, is there like a Joel Edmondson type of move that they can get or, or a Ben Chirot type of player? When you look at the free agents, it's not, it's not exactly a who's who of names. I know they had looked at Alexiak at the trade deadline. I mean, is he a guy you try to bring in? I don't, Again, I, I have yeah. no idea. Well, I would I mean, try and bring Jamie Alexiak in. I mean, he he could definitely fit in on the uh, the blue line. It's interesting. I mean, just to show you, I mean, we've been talking about this Jet blue line and what they look like without Dylan DeMello. And then you look at what John Cooper's throwing out there in Tampa. I mean, you got a third pairing at David Savard, Mikhail Sergachev. Um, but Savard's a perfect example of one of the reasons the ways that they're eighteen million over the cap. I mean, they get the player, they bring Cooch back. They have all they have a, a luxury of a lineup unlike anything we've really seen in the cap era right now. And it sort of is a one time oh, yeah. only. And that's why they're the favorites that they are right now. Uh, but other players are going to have to find new homes. And if you can be that team that gets in and maybe takes advantage of that situation, uh, it'll make you better off for it. Yeah. Speaking of the cap, that was one question that Frank Cervelli asked yesterday to Batman and daily. And it was like Tampa's 18 million over. Like you guys see a problem with that. And they basically said no. And they said, this has been the rule. This is what people have agreed to. And, and I mean, it happened before with Chicago and Kane, and they said they looked in the situation. There was nothing shady going on with Kucherov, you know, coming back from his injury, um, you know, right in time for the playoffs. <laughs> you know, maybe they were a bit more cautious than him. I mean, I have no idea, but I mean, I would be if I was. If they I were was as them. cautious as they needed to be to mm-hmm. get him in, so, not counting against the cap and uh, helping them win another cup. Yeah. So it seems like. That's the move, Huss. That's the strategy. Try to get over the cap as much as you can with good players at the deadline. Couple of couple other interesting takeaways from the uh, from the Winnipeg Sun um, Jets survey. Um, thoughts on the Line A trade for Dubois and Roslovic. Uh, won't know until next season. Fifty six points. Twenty twenty uh, percent saying that it was bad for both teams. Um, but sixty seven percent of Jet fans think Dubois will bounce back and become an impact player in 2021-22. They certainly need that. Um, But they do say over 50% that, you know, he's really going to have to show something next year to get a long-term contract from the Winnipeg Jets. 70% of Jet fans want to uh, re-sign unrestricted free agent Paul Stastny. Not surprising about that. And here's interesting. In hindsight, the Jets re-signing of UFA Dylan DeMello gets positive uh, positive reviews, 76.4%. But at the same time, then when we go down, Remus, to talk about the Jets' def- uh, protected defenseman for the mm-hmm. expansion draft, 69% want Logan Stanley protected along with Pionk and Morrissey, and only 13% 
want DeMello with Pionk and Morrissey. Uh, there is 10% that want Pionk, Stanley, and DeMello, which, of course, would leave Josh Morrissey available to Seattle, and uh, I don't think that yeah. is uh, in the realm of possibility considering Morrissey standing with the Jets. Yeah, and there's uh, Maul, Porice, and Chad saying protect DeMello, and I know we're going to be talking about this more and more. We're like three weeks away from the expansion draft. But I think DeMello's, you know, the three, DeMello is the guy. Stanley, you know, a lot of people seem to be very high on his potential as a massive defenseman. But I think as for right now, uh, DeMello is the guy who's got a manageable contract. Um, you know, he can move the puck. He's, you know, he's got very strong numbers. You saw, you know, what happened to the team when he was the out of the line lineup. Is the Jets need both of those guys. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the yes. Jets honestly cannot afford to lose anybody from the blue line and need to add more players, yes. both internally and maybe from outside to go in. I still wonder. Um, like, I, I do believe that if Stanley and DeMello were both available, if you're an expansion team, you're picking Stanley. I mean, you're pick, you're thinking that the potential long-term of him to grow into a really dominant force, especially looking at what these big defensemen are doing with Montreal this year, is probably, he's such a unique player that I think teams would, would take a chance on that as opposed to what DeMello brings. But let's make no mistake about it. The Jets absolutely need Dylan DeMello. And we can talk all uh, about, you know, where, how he was used this year, playing maybe below where he could play to sort of help round out balance in the jet blue line. But we saw how good he was with Morrissey in the first round against Edmonton. We saw how discombobulated everything looked without DeMello in the second round against Montreal. So I certainly have a lot of time for that argument going forward. Um, but I guess my big question is if you are Seattle and either of those guys are available. I still think Stanley gets picked just because the unicorn nature of the player. I think they would think that there's potential to do that. But honestly, Remus, certainly when you want to talk bang for the buck, maybe the most attractive member of the Jets is Mason Appleton. From what I've seen from mock drafts, uh, you know, people who are doing the stuff, there's not a ton of forward depth compared to defense. You know, maybe because you have to, uh, you can't protect as many defensemen, like three on a team. But, um, Mason Appleton, I mean, he's proven that he's a capable NHL player. He can kill penalties. I think he can play power play. He did a bit here when guys were injured. Uh, you know he can stem into your lineup and play right away. Stanley was very sheltered last year. We know he's a, you know, maybe the potential is high as a late bloomer, but I think there's a, there's some serious uh, offensive upside in Appleton. So I think he would definitely be the play. You got to lose someone. You know, maybe they go with uh, Appleton would be the pick, but this is something we're going to be going with, uh, going for, for a while here talking about until the, for the next three weeks. All right. We got to get to a few things before the end of the program. Can't tell you that Ukraine, Ukraine, not weak and Ukraine up one and nothing on Sweden right now, 36 minutes into the final game of the round of 16 over the Euro England with the big win two nothing over Germany earlier today. Uh, other matchups set Switzerland, Spain, Belgium, Italy, and the Czech Republic and Denmark. Uh, two games going on Friday. It looks like two will be going on Saturday. Be a great, great final eight in the Euro. Just waiting for that final team. And uh, right now, the Ukrainians have uh, one goal up on the Swedes. All right, NHL odds. Tomorrow's game, Tampa Bay, minus 204. Habs, plus 178. And the series price right now, Kind of surprised it's not more. Minus 625 for Tampa and the Habs plus 450. Um, you can still get right now 
total games under five and a half at minus 118 after the uh, they won last night. Uh, NBA got a couple games tonight. It's the Bucks and Hawks. Bucks seven point dogs at home to Milwaukee. Bucks minus 256 to win on the road on the money line. And the Clippers avoided elimination last night. Big win on the road. They're back at home. And they're one-point underdogs. Just about to pick them on the money line. Minus 109 for Phoenix. Minus 106 for the Clippers. And that game is tomorrow night. Um, On the lock shop today, we went through all of the odds and picks for the Rocket Mortgage on the PGA Tour this week. So make sure to go check that. It's up on, uh, I've retweeted it. Uh, Pal Dustin Nielsen has it all on his Twitter. But if you're listening on podcast, just pop anywhere, put in the lock shop, and you can get that. We do new episodes on Tuesdays and on Fridays. And just interesting, I thought I'd take a look. NBA championship odds right now, Reem. The Milwaukee Bucks are the favorite to win the championship at minus 118. Phoenix plus 150. Clippers plus 850. And the Hawks 21 to 1. Heavy, heavy underdogs at home tonight. Uh, as we mentioned, we've got lots going on at Wimbledon in both the men's and the women's side. You can check out all of those odds there. And uh, they'll have updated lines with the latest Euro matchup as well once this game is finished this afternoon. Uh, Remo, how did you do on the uh, on the track yesterday on the races? Uh, really bad. It was. I not, got skunked. I got skunked. I got skunked. I was over. Um, you know, this was the, the race for me where I would pick a horse. They'd be in first till like the three-quarter mark. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, go, go, go. And then that horse would, like, forget that there was a last quarter of the race and end up finishing way out of it. <laughs> so I think I had three um, three bets yesterday, and they all lost. And I was really feeling the pressure because Assiniboia Downs uh, was tweeting out my picks, writing them down, and putting it as, like, a sticky on their on their chat, on their YouTube channel. Hey, Hustler Remus from Winnipeg Sports Talk made these picks. I was like, don't. I know I've won, but don't don't listen to me, okay? I know I'm I'm up and I'm doing well, but I'm I'm feeling the pressure. So they tweeted mine last night and mine stunk. So you know what this is today, folks? This is the rebound. This is the bounce back. This is doing a 180 to come through with some winners. I will start off, Reem. I'm going, I, I'm putting my 20 in on the first four races. Race number one. I've got a five dollar quinella on a horse one. And horse three. Yeah. In race number two, I'm going again a five dollar Quinella on her horse three and horse four. Okay. I have, We're moving I have, on. I have horse three there too, and Backstreet's back. That's a good horse. Yeah, I, I had to have Backstreet's back. <laughs> of I course, Backstreet's back. It, it was getting on the card today. <laughs> yes. Um. And then moved on over to race number three. And I'm just going to get it up here. Uh, I'm going on number six, Tucker Time, I believe that. Yeah, Tucker Time yeah. to win. Two bucks on Tucker Time to win. And two bucks on a 6-7 Quinella with Gold Buyer. And then for race number four, that's where I'm going to do my triactor wheel. One dollar, six ways, six dollar bet. Give me one Commander McDivitt, five Empirical Data, and seven Warbridge. I guess those are the three top program selections. We'll put them in, get them any which way, and hopefully cash a triacta. There's my 20 bucks for tonight. Hopefully it goes much better 
than it went last night. What about for you for a Tuesday night of live racing, Michael Remus? Oh, I'm just responding to Wrench, Dudeser, and Chet. He says, what's a Quinella? They have to finish one or two in any order. So if you think exactly. you know who the top two horses are and you can't predict um, you can't predict what the uh, picks are, you go with a Quinella. So here's my picks. Hey, just his... quickly, Mitch. Yeah. Mitch is saying, I had a pretty good night at ASD yeah. last night. Well, Where give us you? some picks. Yeah, give us yeah. Uh, some t- some tips right now, Mitch. We're uh, Well, listen, Remus doesn't need anyone, but, but I do right now. Yeah. Uh, okay, Reem, what are your uh, picks without any okay. tips? Race two, uh, I'm going Backstreet's Back, number three, as I think Mal Paris writes in chat, everybody with He's the singing. music. He's singing in chat. Uh, so we're going Backstreet's Back. I have uh, Backstreet's Back to show. That's got to finish third. Um, race three. I am going with an exactor or exacta, exacta, two five. So real grace and then in the deep. So I am actually, uh, I think you had Tucker Time and Gold Buyer. I'm going a different way. I'm going real grace so- and in the deep, going two five. Those are the program selections. And this is the uh, last one. I got a uh, Quinella race six. So that's finished first and second in any order. Horse three, real good deal. And horse nine, two steps faster. So uh, I guess those names. You are names, the chalk talker. You are the chalk talker. I've been ta- for sure. I've been, take, I've, I've been taking a lot of chalk. That's probably why I've been winning. So I feel like the chalk <laughs> in uh, horse racing is a chalk for a reason. And if there's like a couple horses and everyone else is... Like, you look at this race, I don't know anything about odds, but, I mean, these two are pretty big favorites, and every other horse is like 10 to 1, 25, 20, uh, 40 to 1. I feel like these odds are kind of legitimate, so I think there's a good chance. those And they're on the program selections, 3 and 9, it's for a reason. They are. Hey, Tom Halleck, who's all over the track as well, yeah, he says, knows more than Pizarro me. is off her mounts tonight, was injured last night. Uh, oh, and Taylor's just told us that Sweden is tied it. I've got the game on behind me. Emil Forsberg with the goal. Great hockey yeah. name. Is that, Emil, Emil is that, Forsberg. that a hockey yeah. player? <laughs> yeah. Um, so 1-1, Sweden and Ukraine right now. Um, this is great. We've got Mal Paris leading a sing-along in the chat right now for uh, for Backstreet's Back, one of our selections yeah. tonight. And uh, HPI yes, bet. Well, bet on that I'm horse gonna... and uh, have fun with us on Backstreet's Back. Uh, one of my, well, I guess Caleb Pizarro is going to get a different, I may have to go check back. Well, I'm going to go with these anyways, but yeah, empirical data is supposed to be written by Caleb Pizarro. So I would imagine there'll be a different jockey tonight if she's uh, off her mounts as they, uh, as they say. Um, so no hockey tonight, Remo, but, uh, we will have some baseball Robbie yeah. Ray on the Hill for the blue Jays. They're big favorites tonight. And I got to tell you, I mean, we don't talk about Shohei Otani enough. But he did it again last night. I think he's got like homers in nine of 10 games or something like that. I mean, this guy is, he's the Japanese Babe Ruth. He's the most incredible thing in the major leagues in the last 100 years since Babe did it on the mound and at the plate. And the fact that he's leading the AL in homers ahead of a lifetime season for Vladdy Jr., not to mention what he's doing on the mound, has really made him maybe outside of the guy that hit the disc golf shot on the weekend, maybe the most must-see athlete in all of sports right now, Reem. Yeah, I know people had uh, bets on Vladdy for, um, what, for MVP, but Shohei was, I mean, how do you not pick this guy? He hits bombs, he pitches, uh, he's he's incredible. And the Blue Jays did make a trade today. They got outfielder Corey Dickerson. I think he, he's injured, but that's not why they made the deal. They're trying to get yes. some relief help. 
And I think the guy they got, um, from what I read from Andrew Stoughton's stub stack, is that Adam Simber, he, he induces weak contact and keeps the ball in the park and throws strikes. And that's seems to be what they, uh, what they need. So maybe they'll make some more moves, but they're clearly aware. They're bullpen issues, and they're doing stuff to uh, help that. And, hey, if Corey Dickerson comes, you know, becomes healthy, he can definitely be a good bat against uh, left-handed uh, pitchers. So uh, Blue Jays making moves. I know Mitch has been following the Jays. Maybe he can weigh in and chat on that one. Uh, yeah, th- this is the trade. Dickerson in the outfield and right-handed reliever Adam Simber from the Marlins in exchange for Joe Panic and an unnamed pitching prospect. I don't think this is the last deal that Mark no. Shapiro and the gang will be making because the Jays certainly do need help, but they do have the core of a successful team, Raymond. We talked about their schedule. I mean, they're getting a lot of patsies right now. They're just playing the Orioles. Now they've got the Mariners. This is the time for them to make up some ground. And so far, so good as they've been on a pretty good run after a tough, self-inflicted stink uh, run of some stinky play a couple weeks ago. Uh, they're back on track and uh, winning more than they're losing. Yeah, so that's something, you know, as the summer goes on, we'll definitely, uh, definitely be watching more of. And as we begin to wind down, Huss, we did want to touch on, too, um, the ESPN. They're the big rights holder. came out with a big announcement today. I'm going to pull up this graphic. I'm trying my my best to bring it up. Yeah, but well, then, you pull that up. I'll officially give us, we can finally say this, official congratulations to our friend Leah Hextall. Hex came on with us a couple of weeks ago, and this was sort of out there. It's reported by, I think, the New York Post, uh, but it wasn't official. She couldn't, of course, talk about it. But there you can see Leah Hextall doing play-by-play and as a reporter, along with a pretty impressive roster. What, what, what interested to me, other than, of course, Hex getting, uh, you know, what is a dream gig, and good on her. You know, she, like so many people in this industry, has been dealt a few curveballs, moving on from other positions, was back in, you know, out of sports for a while. And, you know, she worked so hard doing play-by-play for women's hockey. Um, it's just, it's a great, great story. So, so happy for Leah to get that gig, and we'll get her back on very soon. Uh, but the analysts are interesting, Reem. Mark Messier's there, Chris mm. Chelios as well. Uh, as I said, the one guy that they really are missing, and I don't know who could ever get him to do it, but um, if there was a buff cast where they could get buff in the booth or buff doing some some panel work, that truly is what this league needs, and ESPN needs to take it over the top. But I don't think he's in for it. So unfortunately, that will just be a dream here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Yeah, a couple new Rick DiPietro. I know he was on ESPN Radio in New York before, so he's a, a now an analyst. Ryan Callahan uh, out of retirement. Uh, I think it's pretty cool to see Mark Messier, Chris Chelios, and I know TNT uh, has brought on Gretzky. So you're seeing a, some of these superstars, and we've you know really only seen Mark Messier lately in those commercials with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm excited to see him. And those are the best, by yeah, the way. Yeah, for Tide, for Me- Tide. Messier. The, t- the Tide and, call center. And But uh, Ray Ferraro, I think is the name, you know, Canadians are going to recognize. We've seen him on TSN. Seems like he's kind of scaling back us. He did those hits on overdrive basically every day. Did radio hits on every TSN, including with us. He's not doing those anymore. He's the only work he's doing for TSN now will be Leafs. He tweeted out Leafs on TSN and the World Juniors still. Um, so that's uh, that's Ray. Uh, Sean McDonough, I think he's going to be the lead play-by-play guy, like their top guy. 
I know he's Which is that. amazing. He hasn't done hockey yeah. since 98, but I mean, he was Monday Night Football. I mean, yeah. he's a very, very established, one of the great broadcasters. And the other thing that's awesome, and we've seen this change over the last few years from an entirely male-dominated yeah. uh, broadcast team in most cases, some pretty incredible woman and some of the all-time greats in the game. Um, Hillary Knight working uh, with the ESPN crew. Of course, Cassie Campbell-Pascal, who we've seen on Sportsnet quite a bit. And uh, AJ Maleska, a- AJ honestly has turned into one of the, like coming out Kendall coin Schofield did a great job, but AJ has turned into um, I mean, really one of the, you know, one of the most exciting young broadcasters in the game. And no surprise that she'll have a, a pretty significant role with ESPN going forward. Yeah. And we're going to see these guys in action. ESPN producing the, uh, what the expansion draft, you know, with sports and the NHL. So, <laughs> I mean, this is happening right away. I saw a tweet from Andy McNeil, Digital Gambler on Twitter, and he was like, you know, it's nice to see some stars like Messi and Chelios because it seems like a lot of the broadcast positions have been like tough guys. And you don't see too many, you know, a lot of the stars like Sackick, Iserman, uh, who Ron Francis, all these guys are working in front office, Shanahan in front office. You don't see too many stars on TV. And so these are some real legends here in Chelios and Messi. And I think it'll maybe bring people because you see, you know, the NBA broadcasts. They got who Shaq, Barkley, all these you know all time stars. Oh, the TNT yeah. hoops panel is simply the best. I mean, and you know, um, who is that? Ernie uh, Ernie Johnson, who sort of you know controls the ringmaster of the circus. There, doing a great job, and Kenny Smith's great. Um, but listen, I think I think Chelios will probably be good. Probably. Yeah, I- I, I like Chelios. He he was on. We had him on um, when his book came out, and he's a good. I mean, I know he's his book is really good. I read it. Uh, I read he's you know got a lot of famous friends. He's talking about partying with like Kid Rock, and uh, I I remember he was really entertaining. So if he can bring some of that, ESPN, I think that'll be good. And he of course played like what? How many games? He played for over twenty years. I mean, guys, uh, oh, yeah. one Stanley Cup so yeah. much. Well, and Messier as well. I mean, one of the great captains. I mean, all yeah. those cops, a pretty big profile, certainly from his time yeah. winning in 94 and the commercials. The Rangers. Well, yes. And of course, the commercials. The Messier. But again, you still you, you like it's one thing to be known and it's another thing to be good and yeah. actually do the job. And I think, you know, the jury will be out. We'll see how this goes. But to me, the biggest question mark in all of this going into the new deals next year is Gretzky for TNT. Mm-hmm. I, like, I don't know about you, but I don't expect Gretzky to be good. I mean, when was the last time Gretzky had a, a strong opinion on anything? I I don't know. I can't remember. And, like, listen, he I hope he treats it a lot more seriously than he did becoming a head coach in the NHL because we all remember how that went in Arizona. I mean, he wasn't committed, wasn't out there for practices and whatnot. I mean, if he just shows up and thinks, hey, I'm Wayne Gretzky and everything I say is gospel – it's not going to make the broadcast good. So to me, that's what I'm most interested in. I'd love, hey, hopefully he's going to be amazing. But I haven't seen anything in the past that would indicate that other than being the greatest player of all time, that he'll be an amazing addition to a studio crew. He'll certainly get some eyeballs on it. He's one of the people that Americans will know. But again, is he going to get them coming back night after night to watch NHL and hear his takes on the panel? I think those are all valid questions. I know he did some specials with ESPN. It was like detail through the mind of Wayne Gretzky where he, um, you know, went over some of his past plays, I think, and broke it down. But, you know, I, we don't know what – I think it's a big unknown. You don't know if he's going to be good, if he's going to offer a strong opinion. Um, I, I do think, you know, Chelios would be that. And, you know, Messier, again, 
kind of unsure, but and, you know, Kevin Weeks, you know, brings a great opinion. Ray Ferraro Weeks is, is awesome. One of the, Weeks is one awesome. Of the best. Yeah. <clears> so, and uh, of course, shout out to a uh, former guest of this show, Greg Wachinski and Emily Kaplan, who have always done great work uh, reporting. And you heard them in the press conference with Gary Bettman yesterday. So, I think it's kind of exciting. I think it definitely brings NHL to a higher profile being on uh, ESPN. And, um, you know, well, it's better than NBC right now, because as we talked about uh, earlier this week, um, they are mailing it in so hard right now with this cup final and their broadcast, knowing that they're losing the rights at the end of here. Mm -hmm. Not really the way the NHL, I think, wanted to see things go, but uh, hey, it is what it is. The exciting new TV deals and uh, some pretty exciting new members of the panels, but Mainly, big shout out to our girl Hex for uh, getting that dream job with ESPN going forward. Um, well, I guess we should get out of here and get these pods uh, uploaded for everyone uh, driving home. Been a great show today. Big thanks to Rob Gale. If you're tuning in late, uh, we had a great conversation about that England-Germany game as well as the very successful Game 1 win for Valor FC with Rob Gale. Right near the top of the program, you can get that again on YouTube or if you want to listen to the podcast later on. If you haven't already, folks, give us a uh, give us a thumbs up here for you. Let's get that over 100 and uh, hopefully a little bit more as well. Make sure you've hit the subscribe button if you aren't already. And if you are listening to the podcast, a uh, five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts would certainly help us as well. All of that is appreciated. Um, big thanks to PolicyMe.com, Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs, Cool Bet Canada, and of course, Little Brown Jug and Breezy Bend, who have come together to put on a great contest. We'll be doing the marble race tomorrow. If you haven't already got in, head over to our Instagram page at Sports Talk WPG. You'll see the giveaway post. Pop in, follow, make sure you're following us. Give the comment. We'll put everybody that comments in for what uh, tomorrow, Remus, I imagine this will be a heck of a way to go into Canada. A very epic marble race tomorrow for a great prize, courtesy of our friends at Breezy Bend and Little Brown Jug. Yeah, we already have a lot of uh, comments on there. I think we're going to have over 100 marbles in this race. So you're going to want to tune in. And even if <laughs> whether you want the prize or not, just get in the race. I think someone said uh, that they would just donate the prize to another marble race. Just run it again. I think Whoever that was uh, I think that was our girl brown eyed MJD. Yeah, that's okay, I thought it was. I know she's got the uh, Bruins avatar, but uh, yes, yeah, so that could be fun too. So we're getting we are getting some great comments. I can read a couple uh, here. This is a most recent one. So the comment you have to write is uh, what you love about golf, and everyone is having fun. So some funny comments. And Ray Perro says, a chance to be reminded why any hubris I may have regarding my game is tragically misplaced. <laughs> so, so there's... Uh, uh, a buddy Todd Frittani, you love being on the links with a few buddies, enjoying the all-too-short Manitoba summers, bantering back and forth, and having a few laughs. Amen to that. I don't care what I shoot. You go out, make a few good shots, but if you're with good company, with some cold beverages, couple 1919s, especially at a place like Breezy Bend, you're going to be a good to go. I see a DQ Nick all over it as well, tagging a few people. Uh, just a Torian's mom. I just like getting out of the house and together and enjoy nature's beauty. Um, this is the best one though from Trevor Brazillo. I mentioned this. Love being outside and spending yeah. time with my son. He's got some hard lessons to learn in life 
and golf will make him learn pain. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's some good stuff. So anyways, get over there, folks, right now. Make sure you're in on it for tomorrow. Uh, we'll do that at the end of tomorrow's show. And if you don't win this one, we've got another one to give away going into August long weekend. Uh, and of course, don't forget, if you're thinking about a great home for you and the family golfing next year, you can get on that waiting list out of Breezy Bend or give Corey Johnson a call and make arrangements to do exactly that. And uh, whether you're at Breezy Bend or anywhere out on the links, make sure you got a couple cold ones. Those 1919s sure go well with birdies and banter out on the course. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll get these pods uploaded. We'll be back tomorrow. Big show going into game two of the cup final and into Canada Day. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Hit that like button on the way out for you YouTubers. Thanks again for being with us. We'll catch you tomorrow right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.